Oi, oi, and welcome to a very special edition of the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, Southstand chum, bearded legend, the one and only Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much. Welcome, everybody, to a very, very special edition of the Orient Outlook podcast. This doesn't have an episode because we are very, very pleased to be doing a player interview. Um, it will come as no surprise to some, um, but Jay Simpson signed for the O's on the 31st of July 2014 on a three-year deal following a stint in Thailand with Buriram United. Previously, Jay had spent spells at Millwall, West Brom, QPR and Hull after coming up through the youth team at Arsenal. Correct so far? Yep. Good. Um, Jay spent two and a half years at the Orient and saw several manager changes, a relegation, Saw Jay become the, the club's first 20 goals a season man since Peter Kitchen in the 70s before transferring to MLS side Philadelphia Union in January. Jay, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast for your debut. <laughs> Cheers, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. So Jay, we'll just crack right on. So obviously we've given yeah. you a brief kind of uh, history of your career. So how did your move um, to Orient in the summer of 2014 come about? Um... At the time, I was out in Thailand, and um, you know my wife was due to give birth to our third, our third child, our son. Um, it was due the end of August, and um, you know I wanted to come home. Obviously, the baby was going to be born here, and I wanted to come home for it. So, um, uh, managed to get out of my contract there, and uh, the last day she was able to fly back was July sixth. So I flew back with her on July sixth. And uh, obviously preparing for the baby, and um, obviously I was going to try and sort out where my next move would be. So um, you know I had a few offers from up and down the country, and you know I knew Russell Slade from before. He tried to sign me before when I was younger. So um, you know when he when he called my agent, I thought you know they just missed out on the playoffs, playoff finals uh, to get promoted. Uh, it's literally on my doorstep. So I live in Loughton, so it's training's five minutes from my house, and I thought. After being up north in Yorkshire for a while and moving to Thailand, I thought, you know, brilliant. I've got a club on my doorstep. Uh, they just missed out on being promoted to the, the championship. They're the new owner. And, you know, I thought the club was going in the right direction. So, you know, it, it suited me family-wise to, to sign up the O's. Brilliant. So did you, you <coughs> met Russell Slade and he kind of sold the club to you beforehand? Um, I met Russell when I was... I think I was about 17, he was at uh, Yeovil and um, he tried to he tried to take me on loan to Yeovil and I met with him, um, <laughs> it seems like ages have gone out, <laughs> it's like a service station in Southampton so he didn't actually take me into Yeovil. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man of many talents. Yeah. <laughs> he, does, he does like a service station, yeah. Yeah. he does like a service station. So I met with Russell there and um, yeah, you know, I thought you know, I got on really well with him, you know, I thought he was highly respectable respectable man and then um, when I went in to see him at Orient you know he told me about the vision he had for the club um, how well they'd done the year before and um, you know how he felt that you know the club was moving in the right direction um, with a bit more investment into the playing staff he felt that you know we'd have a, a great chance in going up uh, that year that we signed yeah, interesting um, and did you meet sort of Fabio uh, uh, Francesco Bacchetti or Alessandro Vito before signing? Uh, no, him? no, I didn't. I didn't meet them. I met uh, Maro Milanese okay. um, when I came in to see Russell. He was there, and then um, 
you know, it's funny at the time when I went in to meet with Russell, you know, I didn't know that I was going in to, to sign a contract, but, um, you know, they literally started negotiating on the spot and then come that afternoon, I was, I was signing the deal. Wow. That quick? Yeah. I remember when I broke, there was massive news and yeah. me and Paul were both thinking this is going to be an amazing season, obviously, yeah. massive investment, all these new players, obviously yourself, Joby, Darius. Yeah, Joby was there at the time actually when I was signing. He was in one room, I was in the other room, but I, I spoke to him beforehand and then there was just, you know, like in and out of both rooms and then we both come out and then um, he told me he'd agree the deal and I thought, oh, brilliant, like, you know, excellent yeah. player and I thought this is going to be a great season and then obviously I agreed the deal. So, you know, we signed, signed literally the same day. Amazing, absolutely amazing. What were your first impressions of the club? Um, I played there a couple of times before. I played there um, when I was at Mill. First time I went on loan, so um, you know, like a bit of a London derby. I know the Mill fans are quite quite lively, so you know, it was it was a lively atmosphere in the in the ground. And I played there again in the cup, and you know, I thought always go past the Orient Stadium uh, for years and years. And, you know, um, you know, it's like a, a community club. You know, it's it's not the biggest club, but you know, it's. Uh, it's got to compete with the likes of West Ham, you know, it's down the road, but, you know, it's a club of the community, I think. So, um, when I when I did sign, you know, you see all the, all the faces that are there and you get to know them over the years and then you realise that, you know, Orient is basically part of their family. So, you know, like their parents have supported Orient mm. and, you know, they've kept it in the family. So, you know, it is a, it is a family club. Yeah, and obviously when you signed, a lot of strikers, you were up against for first-team play. So, obviously, David Money. Kevin Lisby, yeah. Davis Henderson arrived just as well. So, what were you thinking? You're thinking first team signing, going to have him get promoted, and have a big season. Yeah, I think when I was actually on holiday and I watched the the playoff final, and um, you know I felt it was unlucky, uh, or were unlucky not to go up. But I watched the final. And I thought, you know what, there's a good side, got some good players, and then obviously I played with Darius before. Um, I knew what he's all about. He's you know, he's a handful. And um, when they signed him, I played with Shane, Shane Lowry before. Joby yeah. played against him many times, and you know, I thought <laughs> with what the players they had and how close they came, and then you know the players they were adding, you know, it was an exciting time at the club. So you know, I was I was really looking forward to it, and then obviously with the strikers we got it, you know, Mooney and uh, Kev Lisby had a great season between them. Uh, you know, Coxie scored a load of goals that year. Um, you know, they had a, a good a good unit. Yeah, very good. Yeah, solid. <clears throat> so into that season, then, despite us being tipped to go up, you know the the fan opinion couldn't be higher. The bookies couldn't do any better with their odds. Uh, yeah. You know, we were tipped to go up, and then we. I mean, Russell is notorious by his own admission for not getting good starts to the season, and we didn't start that season particularly well either. Um, and he gets sacked early on. Quite early on, it was we had Notts County. Then it was I think Scunthorpe away. That was it. That was his last game. And that was his last game. I think. What were your recollections of that? What were your thoughts on him on the? Because there was a massive thing about an ultimatum being given to him by Mauro. Was what can you shed? What light can you shed on that for us? Um, what can you? Remember? The last, the last that I remember of Russell was um, we had um, well, it was two actually. We had Notts County away. Mm-hmm. And um, was that there was there was stuff going on before, but the players weren't really aware of what was going on, and um, you knew something was up. And obviously, it's early on in the season, as you said, 
know, we was probably the favourites to go up you know, and got off to the best of start. So, you know, there was like pressure around the place. But from then, there was like a funny, a funny atmosphere. And then um, it's strange because I remember playing Sheffield United in the cup at home. I think it was literally like the week later. And, yeah. you know, from the strange atmosphere that was there before to going into the Sheffield United game. And, you know, Russell was... He seemed really, like, really happy, you know, like bubbly. And I was thinking, like, it was strange the week before, and then now he seems in a great space. And then literally, um, I think it was in the hotel when we went to Scunny away, and the boys were talking about the night before that he was going to go to Cardiff. But I was thinking, about well, it makes sense, you know, I mean, he seems like he's on top of the world. So when it did come out, you know, for him, it was a great opportunity, and, you know, whatever went on behind the scenes, I don't know, but, you know, he felt that it was an opportunity he couldn't turn down, and whatever else went on, if there was an ultimatum or not, I don't really know, but um, if there was, then, you know, why wouldn't you move on? Because mm. so, yeah. um, we were at the game before the Colchester game, yeah. and we got Dave Victor and David Ellis to do um, Orient player with him, and because of that, we went down to the post-match, and yeah. Russell Slade literally stood there, you could see the steam coming out of his ears, he said, I've just been told I've got one game to save my career, yeah. to save my to save my job. Yeah, that was then sort of blown out of proportion. We didn't mean it like that, and all the rest of it. And then Notts County away would have been the final game if he'd yeah. lost that. That was a Tuesday night, um, and we drew that one all. Yeah. And then after that, we had uh, Scunthorpe, Scunthorpe away, uh, which we won two one. Yeah. And then we so. lost the following Tuesday to Sheffield United one nil in the cup. Yeah. yeah. So I guess personally, you started the season okay. You got you got your first goals away to Dagenham and Redbridge, being in the JPT. You got a double yeah. uh, in a nice black uh, kick, kick, which yeah. was nice, which was yeah. really good. And you scored in the Sheffield United two all draw away. Do you remember much about your first Orient goals? I can vaguely remember the Dagenham goals. Looking back, yeah, I remember uh, from the Dagenham game. I just remember uh, Sean Bat sliding in for the first. Um, I can't really remember the second. And the Chef United one away was Pritch squared across the box and uh, managed to, to get in front of my man for the tapping. So I can't remember too much. <laughs> yeah, I remember fine. the game, I remember the Chef United game. Uh, Vincent Lowe scored. Uh, that was it, 96 minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Straight yes. into the away. Yes, yeah, so that's right. That. Yeah, that was Great like, game. Yeah. So I remember that. I remember that. I remember that more than the goal. <laughs> <laughs> but we all did. So. Yeah. Obviously, Slade leaves yeah. uh, under a cloud, unfortunately. Uh, and next up was Mauro Milanese, uh, who came in as manager. So when we spoke to him at Baudry, uh, he didn't, he wasn't very uh, happy. Ha- complimentary. Yeah, he wasn't very complimentary yeah. with Mauro. What were your impressions of Mauro uh, when he took over? Um, I think with Mauro, you know, he came into the sporting director role, technical director role, whatever you decide to call it. But, you know, he didn't come in to be a manager. So I think. Maybe he had it forced on him, I don't know. But he, to me, he never really seemed like he wanted a job. So, um, you know, if you don't want a job, I don't really see how you're going you're gonna to do well in that position. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'm not, even that, I'm not really sure how it came about or why they made that decision. Or, yeah. But yeah, it, was a, it was an odd odd thing to see him going from coming in suited and booted and then coming in one day and he's in boots and a uh, tracksuit. You know, it was it was an odd odd time at the club, but um, yeah, I just think it was just a position where he he didn't seem like to me he wanted the job. I think he was comfortable in the the job that he had before, and um, you know, obviously the, the the change happened soon after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a player, are you thinking this is a bit odd? 
Yeah. Like obviously, this guy came to be a small director now as a manager. This isn't right. <laughs> kind of, you looking across at Joe Budin going, what's this guy doing? Yeah, it? Well, it, yeah, it was weird. It was very weird. Cause you know, you, you'd never know. I don't know if he had what badges he had, what qualifications he had. But yeah, for someone coming in, then changing their role within a couple of months mm. and going from being upstairs, boardroom level, or, um, you know, uh, right hand man to the chairman or whatever role he had to now being on the field with us every day and you know coaching you know it was it was strange he had a bit of a pedigree as a player though did yeah, that yeah. come across on the training pitch at all I know he had a, a very good career mm-hmm. um, you know I, I just think that's that's just how it is I think at the end of the day you know to me maybe he said it I don't know if he has said it or he didn't say it but it just to me seemed like he wasn't interested in being the manager yeah, first thing to what Matt said in terms of didn't really seem interested or yeah. engaged in anything really, yeah. um, which moves us on nicely to another ex-player, uh, an ex-Italy international with again another great playing pedigree, Fabio Liberani, yeah. so he gets appointed manager, yeah. and obviously he can't speak the lingo, I mean how hard is that as a player when your manager's kind of telling you what to do and giving you directions, and you can't understand what he's saying, so if for example you go to Baldry, he said Liberani would stand there and spend two minutes going... Yeah. What the same would be saying the mouth just goes yeah just <laughs> attack the wind or something yeah, like that like a yeah. very brief description yeah I think that happened uh, too many times while we was there with him but you know like he could have been a fantastic manager you know I don't know but I couldn't understand him I think all the players you know we couldn't understand what he wanted from us or what he was trying to say I think the training sessions with the translation you know the training sessions become uh, very slow and uh, dragged out because you know football moves quickly yeah. so if something happens you want to stop it and explain something to a player and then you've got to go through the translator and then if the player wants to ask a question back he goes through the translator you know it becomes very slow by that time the moment in the game is gone so you know it was it was difficult it was difficult um, I just think like you know it might work in the Premier League for example uh, with managers that might speak a different language but you know at the position that we was in, you know, it was very difficult, and obviously the transition of the club, the changes that were happening at the club, you know, it was. Um, I found it quite strange, but as I said, you know, who who knows? You could have been yeah. a fantastic manager, but I wouldn't be able to tell you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I think in the Premier League, you've got a lot of bilingual players, yeah. haven't you? So kind of, there's people out on the pitch that can translate and get messages across quite quite easily whereas in the lower leagues they tend to generally be English yeah. speaking only type yeah, players yeah. so that's why the non-English speaking manager doesn't really work in at, at our level really yeah. um, Pochettino springs to mind for yeah, possibly. but he spoke Spanish so if you've got Spanish speaking yeah. players in, in, the, in the pitch um, so Fabrani, uh, Fabio Livrani comes in makes a bit of a hash of everything but then we also had um I don't know how to particularly describe it, but Gianvito Plasmati, he was the tall Italian guy. He was signed, and, and bafflingly, he starts ahead of more capable people like like yourself. What what's that like as a player? Or, or was or is he? Have we misunderstood? Yeah, was Gianvito <laughs> Plasmati a good player? Score, we just never... scored two goals. He, def- he definitely scored a penalty against yeah. Gillingham, and I think he scored ahead of his road against someone. So. Yeah, was he decent or are you, is it a case that he comes to the training ground and you're like, what is what is this guy doing? <laughs> you know, like, when he came off, nobody nobody really knew about him. But um, yeah, like you get to train with him every day, and you know, 
I think every day he would train and he would come in with two massive ice packs on his knees. So, you know, I don't know if he came and he was fit when he came. But to me, it didn't really look like he he was up for it anyway. Mm-hmm. And obviously in this in the English in the English leagues and the lower divisions, you know, it's it's more of a, a battle, more of a fight. So I think, you know, when foreigners come over, I think they get a, a rude awakening. So, you know, obviously it didn't look like I don't know who signing he was, but you know, I think in in these divisions you need to sign players who are have experience, who have played around it with the position that he was in, wasn't in a great position, um, and you know it can be. I think with the players, the rest of the players it can be unsettling. You know, I, I know fans have spoke to me before in the past and said you know about when when uh, that year went down, you know, like the new players coming in and it caused a divide in the changing room, but. You know, with the players, I've got a great relationship with the players. You know, Joby got on really well with them. Hendo, a load of people got on well with him as well. You know, Shane Lowry was was a big part of the changing room. I think possibly when um, Plasmati came in, maybe it was a bit different. Um, and, you know, as you said, like when when he's playing ahead of other players, um, you know, when people start to, to involve like a financial situation, yeah. you know, it, it can cause a problem. But... You know, that's, that's not my decision. So, so not my signing. You just get your head down and get on with it. Yeah, you try and get on with it. You try and train as well as you can. And when you get a chance, you try and impress. And that's all you can do. You know, the players, we don't pick the side. So you can try your best to get into the side when when you don't feel like you're making any progress or being rewarded. You know, it is, it is hard to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. So staggeringly um, results didn't really pick up under Fabio Liverani we had a good, few good results here and there I remember a night in Coventry where we won 1-0 and Josh Wright scored a pretty decent goal he did yeah however we went into the last game of the season uh, away to Swindon needing a bit of lady luck I think we needed three teams to lose and we needed to, to win. win and they put their youth side out because they were in the playoffs you're and didn't right, risk yes. their players yeah, yeah. and we, um, didn't, we didn't manage to beat them and unfortunately yeah things didn't turn out the way we we planned. We ended up getting relegated uh, on the last day of the season. I mean, as a player, how did how did, how did obviously a team that promised so much beginning of the season had a pretty dreadful season, really. In my footballing career, I was actually the worst. The worst I felt. Um, you know, I came back to England. You know, I was excited for the challenge, the project. You know, as I said earlier, you know, the club was going in the right direction, just missing out on promotion. Um, you know, I was really excited when I got there. There was a buzz around the place, and then um, obviously there as well. I picked up. That was the first injury in my career, so I missed a lot of the the season. So it was frustrating. And then to end the season getting relegated, it was disaster. And um, you know, I remember going into that game, and it was a big ask. You know, we didn't have it in our own hands, and you know, you're hoping that we can do as much as we can, and hoping other people will do you a favour, but. You know, um, we ran out of time. Mm. And when you get injured and, and your team's not doing very well, how how hard is it to sit on the sidelines? Are you kicking every ball or are you just trying not to think about it too much? Um, no, it's, it's very difficult. Um, as I said, it was, you know, the first of my career. Some players have been through it before and, you know, I find it very difficult coming in, uh, seeing the boys training every day and then when results ain't going your way and, you know, you wanna you wanna be a part of, you wanna be playing, and then you know you wanna help help your squad, and when you can't really do anything about it, it's very frustrating. Mm. So, um, you know, try to get back as soon as possible, as quick as I could, and um, try to get on the pitch. 
So obviously during that period, after that season, a few big big players left. Obviously Josh Wright left, Scott Cuthbert left. You tended to leave, were you tempted to leave during that period? Did anyone come in for you? Um, well, if I was tempted to leave, it was funny because you know I spoke. I know some of the fans are aware that summer. You know, he tried to get rid of me, get rid of Joby, get rid of Henderson. Um, I think Shane Lowry was in there as well. Um, obviously, we had a load of players out of contract. And, you know, you're going from oh, being at a low, being relegated and so on and so forth, and then being told that, you know, that the club the club want you to move on. You know, it's, it's a tough time. You know, it's, uh, it, was, it was hard to deal with, already being down and then hearing that. So, um, you know... Once you get around that, then you know you start looking looking forward to your next your next challenge, you know. And I felt well, it, you know, the club didn't want me here, so got to try and find find a new club and uh, try and settle really. And that's where my my head was at. Russell Slade, when we spoke to him, he he's one of our previous interviews as well. Interviews as well. He said that his comment about the team that he'd put together for that season. He said, "Would we have won?" promotion that season probably not would we have got relegated that season hell no yeah he thinks we'd have probably ended up about 12th 14th 15th but certainly comfortably away from relegation do you th- i mean hindsight's a wonderful thing but do you do you think there's merit in what he said um yeah well me coming in i thought you know we've got you're not going to say yeah we're definitely going to get promoted but i thought there was a great chance of us getting promoted but if you said to me when i signed that you know i'd be fighting relegation and end up getting relegated I would have laughed I would have thought no way with this squad mm-hmm. with what they achieved the year before and the players they was bringing in I was thinking no chance but you know in the end as I said we ran out of time and you know we weren't, we weren't good enough and you know with whatever went on inside the club you know it didn't help but at the end of the day you can't really use it too much as an excuse So during that pre-season we signed obviously more forwards so Paul McCallum came to the club Oli Palmer <coughs> came to the club yeah. So how did how do you obviously they, you said they said, you know you can leave the club. Yeah. So how do you get back into that starting position from being on the outskirts? So obviously you came back. Yeah. But someone like Joby, it took Joby a couple more months to come back. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll I'll tell you how my summer went. <laughs> After hearing that, um, and then a few about a month later, Ian Hendon got the job. Um, we hadn't gone back for pre-season as of yet and um, he called me and he phoned me up and he said you know like, I've got the job um, you know you're a big part of my plans you know uh, I'll picture you playing this way that way and this is the way I want to play uh, this is what I expect from you and um, you know I think we can have a great year so obviously being told what I was told you know I, I said it to him I said you know I don't know what they've told you, but obviously they've, been, they've told me to move on. So he said, like, they haven't told me any of that. They, they haven't told me that I need to get rid of anyone and I want you here, I want you to be a big part of the squad, uh, so on and so forth. And then um, I think me and me and Hendo got off on the wrong foot because um, he said to me that... <laughs> <laughs> this is an exclusive here. Yeah. <laughs> on, on that phone call, he said to me, you know, um, I'd like you to come in um, a week early. To do to do some work with the fitness coach as you had an injury last year, and I said to him, uh, "No, no thanks." <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, I said, "No thanks, I'm all right." And he said, um, "No, like, I'm, he said, I'm being serious. I want you to come in and um, you know do some work." 
so uh, you're ready for when pre-season comes. And then again, I said to him, no, no you're right. I'm fine. I'll just um, do whatever I have to do and I'll see you when pre-season starts. And then, you know, we had a discussion. He started saying to me about, you know, being committed to the club and showing commitment. Then I had to go back again and say to him, you know, like, you want me to show commitment to a club that's not, doesn't want me around anymore. So then he assured me again, you know, look, I want you here, um, you know, I'm calling the shots, you know, they're giving me assurance that, you know, I don't have to get rid of anyone and, um, you know, I want you here. So I was like, all right, fine. Came in pre-season, he probably thought, you know, I was maybe a bit arrogant and maybe, you know, his first impressions on me might not have been, been the best, but, um, you know, I was angry, you know, I was annoyed and I was thought that was it for me, I was moving on as far as I was concerned, been told something, so that was it. So um, we ended up going on pre-season to Spain um, and coming back from Spain, all of a sudden it's changed their mind. But at the time, you know, I built a good relationship with Hendo in uh, in Spain, you know, I got on really well with him. And even now, I speak to him now. So, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him. And, um, you know, I thought we worked well together and, you know, I really enjoyed my football under him. So um, in that aspect, it was probably a good thing that I built up the relationship with him and uh, at the time, my son was starting school, so I was thinking, you know, it's going to be a difficult time to be moving. I might have to move up north, yeah. and, you know, that, yeah, it worked well for me, to be fair. You did. You really flourished under him, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Um, we won our first five games on the bounce, which was a <laughs> bit of a... Yeah. We'd done it once before under Russell, but never have we done started a season so well. Yeah. Um, started so well, I think, you know, we was our own worst enemy. Um, you know, after the first five games, you know, I think everybody... So I, you know, looking at us as favourites to be yeah. up there or get promoted, but um, you know, it was a long old season, and um, went through a bad patch, and then, you know, before you know it, you know, we're trying to, trying to pick up a few results. You know, we weren't in the worst position, but you know, from how we started to um, the way we was going along was um, was a big contrast. So you and Paul Kelm started the season as the preferred uh, choices up front you were both get, doing well getting a lot of goals and ha- what, how, what, how did you work so well with Paul McCallum? did you just get, have an in- just understanding of where he was going to go and what he was going to do and what, vice versa um, I think with when I started playing with Paul I think um, you know in Spain we tried out a few formations um, you know a few partnerships but I think with Paul I think when we started the season I think we kind of had an understanding understanding as um if I couldn't score, I would try and get into a position or try and make a run to make a bit of space for him, for him to have a shot or, you know, he would try and nod it down for me. You know, if one wasn't scoring, the other's trying to do what they can for the other to score. And, you know, I think that, that worked well at the beginning of the season. So, um, you know, you get into position sometimes and, you know, you you make a run away from goal. You know, you're not going to get the shot, but it might make up make a bit of space for him to get in. So I think we had a good understanding in that in that aspect. Yeah, and obviously Paul gets injured um, around the October period, and in November Dean Cox gets injured. So you know yeah. one of our first choice strike partnerships, and probably well, it's just the, the main good the main yeah. guy who's obviously getting the assists in, and that seemed to have a negative effect. And like you said, wins turned into draws, and then you're struggling for points every week. Um, did you start to feel the pressure? Were you aware that Ian uh, Hendel was starting to be under pressure? Well, with <laughs> with the with the conversation I had with Ian, um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but um, you know, when he 
re- well, tried to reassure me that you know he's got the say and you know he um, he's he's got full control. And I remember having a conversation with him saying, "That's what they say until things go go wrong, and then you know they get dictated to." But um, you know, Ian's a strong character, and um, you know maybe his his job didn't last because he's a strong character. You know, and I, I don't think he would be dictated to so much. So you know, obviously he was under pressure. You can, you know, he's a fiery character. So you know, you can you can tell something's going on. The players are not really too involved or too aware of it but you know as the results started well picking up too many draws I don't think they were going too bad but we was picking up too many draws I didn't think he was in a bad position in the league when he was there and I know the fans you know started calling for his head you know waving the torches but that was it yeah in football what the fans don't realise is that at that moment in time our squad was happy you know, all the boys loved each other. Everyone loved coming into training, and that's what Ian and Hess brought to the squad. You know, we was really enjoying ourselves. You know, everyone's coming into train every day, enthusiastic, and you know, even though the results weren't going our way, you know, the boys were putting it in in training. I think in the season, every team goes through a blip, but you know, if you can't keep every player happy. Everyone wants to play, but you know, I think that's that time at the club. You know, everyone was enjoying themselves. So, you know, I think that, that went a long way, to be fair. And then, obviously, um, I guess the period where you didn't enjoy yourselves is following the Hartlepool game live on TV, uh, <laughs> where we lost 3-1. And then, obviously, the whole Hotelgate um, scenario. Yeah. Can you give us a bit more information about Hotelgate? Obviously, we know a little bit. Oh, that was because you were one of the main pictures on one of the tabloid <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, I remember someone, you, someone Sammy Hall... I think maybe Lloyd, Lloyd James. Did you refuse to stay in the hotel? Let me put that. It's not. To you. It's not that I refuse to stay. You know, it's. I think, you know, in England, I was in Thailand. So when I was in Thailand, we had to stay in the team camp three days before every game. So if you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, you stay the whole week. So abroad, it's quite. It's quite normal in Italy. If they don't win, you know, they might stay in the hotel for a week, or they don't get paid, or something. You know, it happens abroad, but. At the time, we um, went up to Hartlepool. We went two days before the game. I think the game was on a Sunday. Yeah. Yes, it was on Sky. Yeah. Yeah. So we travelled on the Friday. Usually we go the night before, the day before. So we've been up there two days in Hartlepool. We've played the game on Sunday. Um, obviously, we've lost. We've got about an hour from London. And, you know, after that long coach journey, you're thinking, oh, just hope I can get home. You're nearly home. And then to hear that is just unbelievable. You know, people have got families, people have got children. Absolutely. You know, like, people's partners, they work. And then just to spring on the boys to say, like, you're going straight to the hotel, you've got to stay there now. And you're not aware of when you're going to be able to go home. But, you know, at the time, I've got children, you know, I've got three kids, so I said to them, I'm, I'm going home, I'm, I need to be with my family, I've got responsibilities at home. And, you know, they're pretty fortunate that at the time, the squad that we had... Yeah was, you know, everyone was really nice because some of the squads that I've been in, you know, people would have gone ballistic. So I just felt that, you know, I'm not a prisoner. Um, I felt it was unfair and I had responsibilities to my family. For me, you know, family comes first, so I'm not going to put my family life on hold or put an extra burden on my wife when, you know, we share uh, our parenting duties. So, you know, I I went home to my kids. 
that was that. When everybody else or some of the other guys went as well, or did everyone generally stay? Um, I don't know if anybody else. I can't. I can't really speak on them, but um, you know, for myself, I felt you know it was wrong. You know, it wasn't helping the situation. Um, the boys have already been away from their family, and you know, all right, it's football. Maybe they've done it to get a reaction, but. You know, they end up saying in the media they've done it to get the team together or, you know, players do interviews and say, you know, it's not a punishment, so on and so forth. We all knew it was a punishment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm not a child. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. punish me to tell me to go to my room and lock me away. So, you know, I didn't I didn't agree with it and I knew it would have a big effect on the squad. So, you were saying, obviously, the team spirit was really good. Yeah. That obviously must have diminished it somewhat. Uh, yeah, because, you know... As a player, you know, you start to look at your manager and think, you know, like, are you going to stand up for us or, you know, you're going to help us out or something. But, you know, Hendon, he did, to be fair. He tried tried to to put an end to it. Um, You know, the owner wanted all the staff in there as well. So I don't know if the staff stayed or not. I couldn't tell you. You'd have to ask them. But, you know, he tried, but that's what they said. And, you know, I think it was a time where... As players, you know, if we stood up together as a unit, as as a unit, or um, you know, strength in numbers, I think yeah. you know we could have possibly done something about it. But you know, that group is a was an honest bunch of boys. Um, you know, they just wanted to get on, get on with it, and try and put things right. And yeah. they didn't really want to cause a stir. I didn't want to cause a stir, but you know, I've got a family to look Absolutely. after. Yeah. yeah, most of them, a lot of them did have sense. That's fair comment. So, just getting back onto the more footballing side of things, um, Ian Hendon seemed to favour a diamond formation, and that seemed to be where you scored the majority of your goals, or how that came. Why do you think that was? Or was um, it about the diamond formation that worked so well for you? Do, can you put your finger on it? Um, with the diamond, uh, we worked on it a lot through pre-season. So, you know, we was training every day. Uh, the games we played, we had some tough games in Spain. Uh, we played Middlesbrough, Huddersfield. Um, oh, that's you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we we really put a lot of work into that. You know, it paid off in the first five games. Um, you know, I think it was just the understanding that the boys had. You know, I think in our midfield, the rotation that we had in midfield was was excellent. You know, you had Sammy Moore in there. You know, you had Pritch, you had Lloydie. You know, them three just kept on rotating, and then obviously Coxie was playing at the top of the diamond. Sometimes we drift out to the left, sometimes drift out to the right, but yeah. someone else would fill in that space. So I think our, our midfield, the midfield four was excellent for us. And as a front man, you know, you can, you, you can afford to stay higher up the pitch because you know you're going to get the service and, you know, you just let them get on with it, which I think worked well for us. And, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, Matthew Baudry, who, who was calm on the ball and, you know, he'd pick a pass into the front men. You know, we had, I think, that midfield four... Um, was uh, was key for us in there. And then obviously Christmas comes and the new year comes and goes uh, and then mid-January Ian Hendon uh, gets sacked. Do you feel he was owed more time? Um, yeah, I do. I do think he, he was, he should have um, been kept along. I, I actually believe if he stayed, I think we would have made the playoffs. You know, we had a good buzz around the training ground. You know, it was going through difficult times and, you know, um, obviously the pressure was on him from from upstairs, but um, I think I think we'd have made the playoffs. I think he should have had more time. But you know, again, maybe the owner gave you know the fans what they wanted. You know, the fans. I don't think they'll be pleased with me saying, but you know, they kept calling for his head. Yeah. 
and they got you, they got it eventually, yeah. And um, I know they don't see what goes on at the training ground every day or see the morale in the camp, but you know, even though with the results we weren't winning many games, you know, the, the morale was good in the in the squad, and um, you know, we finally had that bit of stability that we needed compared to the year before. So you know, it was it was disappointing to see to see him go. Did he get to say goodbye to you? Did he, did yeah, he, yeah, he actually came in. Yeah, he came in um, the next day. He came in. He was clearing out his um, his stuff from the office. You know, he spoke to all the boys. Um, you know, he said his goodbyes and you know, thanks to everyone for the efforts. And you know, like like I said, I speak to Hendo. I still speak to him now. You know, I think um, you know I'm very grateful for what he done for me. You know, he helped me to enjoy playing football again. And um, you know, I enjoyed my time with him. And uh, you know, when when you get sacked, obviously it must be horrible to come in and have to say goodbye to the boys. But yeah, he came in and packed his stuff. He wished us all all the best, and um, yeah, away he went. And obviously, you were on fire in that first half of the season, especially. <coughs> I mean, you were every other game by Christmas. Every other yeah. game you were scoring. Any clubs coming in for you during that journey transfer window? Because we kept seeing quite a lot of rumours for those couple of weeks where. You know, it'd be like a championship club or League One club, and we were like, oh, "Are we actually going to hold on to Jay Simpson?" Yeah, there was. Um, I know there were people, a lot of people phoning my agent. Um, mm. You know, people were trying to get hold of the club. No one was answering. So um, at the time, I sat down when Kev Nolan came in. I sat down with him, and I said to him, "Like, look, you know, I mean, nobody's answering the phone." But um, I was excited when Kev came in. You know, this, he was training with us. Um, you know, he's coming in as a player manager. I thought, you know, it'd be great to play with him. We linked up well in training when he was training with us. And, uh, you know, I thought, even though it's his first job, the connections that he had, um, you know, it was an exciting time for him. And, you know, it was something, it was a challenge. That I thought, you know, this is this is another exciting time here. You know, we've got a premiership player. And, um, you know, I think we wasn't in a bad position in the league, as I said. And I felt, mm. you know, with his experience and him coming into our side in the position we're in, I felt, you know, um, we could still still achieve the playoffs. And he'd, he's, yeah, he'd, he'd been playing in August. He'd been playing in the Premier League in August and part yeah. of September as well. Yeah. Um, but but with with him, he, he one of his uh, sort of opening interview comments was the fact that we had a guy, a striker, who'd scored 20-odd goals before Christmas, yeah. yet we weren't, where we should be in the league because we was leaking too many goals. I think one of the first things he did was tighten up the defence, yeah. which kind of tightened one end and sort of <laughs> tightened the other as well. It was a bit like a, yeah. a rag at the double end. Yeah, no, um, you know, we was all, we was all <coughs> aware of um, what needed to be done. Um, you know, we were scoring every game, but, you know, we was conceding way too many. Yeah. You know, we couldn't go into a game and win, it, win every week 3-2. You know, sometimes you need to win one nil, and uh, you know, scrappy game, keep the door shut. And, you know, we've done a lot of work on our shape and our defensive shape, and um, we've done a lot of defensive work because we we did need to be solid and we needed um, a foundation to build off of. So you know, I understood that. Um, you know, I wanted to I wanted to win games. So I, as much as you know, it sounds crazy now. You know, I wasn't so concerned with what was going on at the top because I felt you know we can close the door at the back we can always nick a goal in yeah. and, um, like Portsmouth yeah like Portsmouth uh, Oxford away you know those were, Oxford away yeah. yeah those were the, the perfect games I think uh, Notts County away I think we yeah, won one, one nil, nil, the, yeah. Uh, that defender yeah Brisley Brisley yeah. Sean Brisley scored the header yeah, yeah. so we had um, 
No, there wasn't the best to watch, but you know we was keeping clean sheets and <laughs> clean sheet before he came in. When he came in, I remember he'd done a stat um, about how how many clean sheets we kept and when was the last clean sheet. I can't remember the stat now, but you know it was it was quite shocking. Mm. And you know he came in with a mission to shore us up at the back, which he done. And then for a striker, obviously it um, reduced you know our attacking flair, but sometimes a sacrifice you have to make. You know, and I, I didn't have a problem with that. And you scored the first goal of his reign away to Wickham, and you <laughs> yeah. gave it a bit of the old chicken dance. Yeah, yeah. Um, How did that go down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was buzzing to be fair. He um, obviously we won um, his, his first game. We won. It was a good performance. You know, Wickham, tough side to go to. Mm. You know, one two nil, and you know he was he was buzzing off of the celebration. To be fair, so um, you know I've got a good good relationship with Kev. You know, like even now my. Uh, my son plays football at um, Tomo Soccer School with his son, so you know I see him. Obviously, he's gone to Notts County now, but I see him all the time. I see him, I was seeing him once a week, and you know, I pick up the phone, have a chat with him from now and again. So, despite winning eight out of his fifteen games, um, Nolan gets sacked um, after a friendly defeat to Barnet. I mean, at this point, are you just thinking? Hang on a minute. <laughs> I've been at some clubs where managers get sacked a bit, but this is this is a bit much. It started. It started getting to a situation where you just go back to to last year. You know, you think we went through how many managers last mm. year, and then it's just a repeat again. And then you just think, oh, so how long is the next one going to last? And you know, I think with Nolan, um, obviously he's coming in experience. It's his first job, but. Um, it was a difficult job for him, you know. Obviously, he he came in as a player manager, but you know he wanted to be a manager. But to get the manager's job, you know, he had to agree to be a player. So you know, he would have been a better player if he wasn't manager, and a better yeah. manager if he wasn't player. But um, focus on one or the other. Yeah, but they took the role that he wanted away from him. So you know, he he came here just to be a manager, and I think you know now he's got a job at Notts County. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll do a good job there. Um, you'll be able to to finally get his head down and and manage. Yeah, and that's what he, that's what he wanted. He had the passion to do it. So you know, so let him get on with it. Yeah. So the season faded out. We finished eighth um, that season. How disappointed were you and the guys that we hadn't made the playoffs? That we'd fallen short. So I just go to the. So personally, um, off the back of of that season, you must have been proud and quite satisfied with your goal tally and and your overall performance that season. Um, yeah, like pers- for personal point of view, you know, it was uh, great to to get the goals and get that amount of goals. But um, you know, I was starting off with the season the way we started off. You know, I was convinced again. You know, we'd get we'd be amongst it for the promotion. I didn't. This time, I think yeah, we're definitely going to get promoted. But I thought, you know, we were definitely going to make the playoffs at least, and you know, to get promoted from League Two is the top three. So I thought, you know, why can't we be one of the best three teams in this league? So I thought, if not uh, top three, then you know, I thought we'd definitely make the playoffs. So to miss out by one place, you know, is again tough, tough to accept. Very tough, and like you say, especially with players such as James E, Sammy Moore, Dean Cox, Atten Garner came in January in that midfield. Yeah. Yes. On paper, decent. That's a good league team. You feel like yeah, you up top, yeah. and other players are like a real shame. But obviously in the summer, players like Baldry left. Yeah, uh, Lloyd James left. Quite again, another quite big exodus of experienced league one, strong league two players. Again, like in that summer, 
Yeah. You're tempted to go, do you know what? I signed a three year deal, but I'm quite happy to walk here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got got to summer again and I was uh I was in Cyprus for my one of my best mates' wedding. So I was um I was by the pool and I got a call from my agent to say, um, you know, Orion have asked to meet with him. I said, oh, okay, what's that about? And he said, oh, I'm not sure at the moment. So I said, he said he'll call me back later on and uh, let me know. So he went for the meeting. I'm sitting there thinking, well, must be a new deal or something. You know, it's got to be something positive. And then he called me back and he said to me, uh, yeah, just come out of the meeting. So, you know, I didn't think anything bad was coming. And I said, oh, how did it go? And he said, um, it's a bit of a strange one. I said, okay, well, why is that then? And he said, um, they said that, you know, they think it's best for you to move on. <laughs> Here we go again, yeah. So I, I paused because I was, I was confused. I said, what did he say? And he said, um, he said, well, he thought he was going to talk about a new deal. And he said, he turned around and said, you know, we don't want to, we don't offer him a new deal and we think it's best that he moves on. And who's your agent meeting with? Uh, the owner. Okay, yeah, the owner, yeah. okay. uh, and Vito. But um, you know, when I've when I've spoken to other people about this situation, you know, they said, "Oh, yeah, but you know, you know, how agents are." The thing with my agent, he's not. It's not a usual player agent relationship. You know, my agent was you know my best man at my wedding. You know, he's godfather to my children. So you know, he was before he was my agent. He was like my big brother. You know, and then he went into doing agency. So um, you know, he's like a he's like a mentor to me. So there's no, he's never gonna lie to me about something like that. So um, when he told me, I was I was confused. You know, I was scratching my head. I didn't really know what to make of it. So um, I come off the phone to him, and then um, I was speaking to my wife about it. And she said, "Oh, how did the meeting go?" So I told her what happened, and then she said. Uh, she was confused as well. So she, she was asking me, how do you feel about that? And I said, I don't know, like, I'm quite gutted. But, um, you know, is it something that you should expect? You know, from the club, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. And then, so I phoned him back and I said, so, um, where, you know, where do we go from here then? And he said, well, you know, get on the phone and see what we can do. And then after speaking to him, you know, it made me feel better about myself. You know, I had a good season and, you know, it reassured me that there'll be you know, a lot of interest and, and I thought, oh, alright, fine, then I'll move on. And then you get your head around that, you're thinking, you hope for it to be, you know, local club, my son's in school, my daughter's starting that year, September, and you know, you hope to to find a local club. And then, um, you know, he says to me, there's only there's only one problem. So I was thinking, oh, what's that now? And then he, he turns around and says to me, they're asking for a ridiculous fee. So, <laughs> the fee, the fee they're asking, is near to seven figures. So you know, from League Two, you don't obviously Kamal Roof went from it, but you don't really see that happening. So I was thinking, well, no one's going to pay that. So so where are we going to go from here? And um, you know, as the, the summer went on, and you know, stuff happened over the summer. I think it got to a point where they realised they wouldn't get that money. So you know, they went to play but then this is the problem that you have at this this club all the way around. You can't tell a player to go, you know, two summers in a row and then turn around and be like, no, you know, nah, your, big, yeah, your big yeah. part's a misunderstanding, which, they, you know, they said to me many a times was a misunderstanding. 
and um, you know, as I said, my my agent's not going to lie to me about something like that. And if they want to call it a misunderstanding, I don't see what is to be misunderstood by that. So um, you know, that's where I was at in the summer. And then obviously Andy Hessenthaler uh, got the job on a full time basis. Obviously he was Ian Hendon's assistant manager, so obviously you'd worked with him before. Did he come and explain anything to you? Did he say, look, Jay, you're part of my plans. I want you to play for me. Um, yeah, Hess called me in the summer and just, you know, just phoned me up to see what what my my thoughts were on the season, you know, if um, I wanted to stay or I wanted to move on. So, you know, he wasn't aware of what had gone on. So this is before pre-season started, so I told him. And then, you know, shocked as well, you know. Um, he was surprised, he couldn't believe what I was telling him. And, you know, I said to him, like, the year he came in with Hendon, he knows it happened two years in a row now. So, you know, I said to him, like, look, like, this time there's no turning back. You know, this happened last summer, it's happened this year. So, you know, I think it's time for me to move on. You know, it's pretty clear to me there's no there's no future for me here. And, you know, he he spoke to me, you know, he said he would love for me to play for him and, you know, um, I'd be a big part of the team for him. But, you know, he was he understood where I was coming from. And, you know, he said he wouldn't stand in my way, but... No decision was never really, really his. So it appeared then that you were on your way to South End, just up the A12, which in many respects, step up in league. Yeah. You could drive there every day, so you didn't have to relocate at all. You were close to signing for them, right? Um, well, I wasn't oh, really, no. I wasn't really close to signing for, uh, for anyone for a long time. But um, you know, after all the the chaos at the club and going through that again and you know you just think I don't care where it is I just need to get out of here and you know Southend were were interested I know there was in negotiations with the club but um, you know I was I came pretty close to signing for Bolton and at the time you know I knew Bolton had a transfer embargo but they were still allowed to sign up to a certain number of players and you know I knew the club in all due respect to them wasn't in the best Situation, but you just think, you know what I mean. I, I need to get out of here. And it's, it's, they still got good players. Um, you know they should have a good chance in going up, and hopefully they can try and balance things out. So I kind of got my head around having to move up there, moving the family and so on and so forth. And then um, them negotiating with the club and the deal, the deal broke down. So um, yeah, that that never happened. And then I was I was here still. So you're still here, obviously. <coughs> Signed a lot of players in the summer. Gabriel Massey, Liam Kelly, Robbie Weir, Callum Kennedy, Tom Park. So I guess it's the merry-go-round again. You're thinking, actually, all these players have decent pedigree. Massey's had a great season in League One. Mm. Parks has got promoted. Kennedy's got promoted. Jordan. Jordan Robbie's coming off the back of two successions. Like, again, we're gonna, we should be up there with about this season. You know what, when... Uh, you're right with what you're saying, but, you know, at this point in time, you know, I'd, I'd lost all interest. You know, I was, you know, I was angry. Um, you know, I was disappointed. You know, I was upset about it, and I thought, I don't really, you know, those guys. I got on great. I get on great with them. You know, I still speak to them now. But at the time, you know, I didn't really care who they were signing. Um, you know, I was told we got, to, we was going to Italy for pre-season, and um, I was told um, this was on. I think it was on a Sunday we was going. And then uh, Vito pulled me at the airport to say, you know, um, we've got a new striker coming on the Tuesday. 
So you know, we'll still we'll still uh, let you move on. Uh, he's coming on Tuesday because at the time, you know, it didn't look like I was gonna go to the Italy trip. You know, I was happy to stay with Tomo and train with the youth team. So you know, he said they've got a replacement for me. So once he's in, then I'll be gone. So that's what I felt. I felt I thought was gonna happen, and um, was in Italy for I think a week or just over a week or so, and then again back in Spain. All of a sudden, you know, they changed their mind. And that's where I go back to. I think they realised they wasn't going to get the money they was looking for, so they thought they had the player. But after all that happens, you know, you, you just you lose interest. And at that point, do you go, do you know what, all of my contracts up in the summer? I'm just going to walk here. So even if they offered me a, a deal again, yeah. I, I wouldn't sign it. Yeah, it gets to the point you just have, like, you know, for yourself, you know, you've got principles, you know, you you, you you know you try and make a point and it got to a point where all the stuff I'd seen in the last two seasons you know it's, it's draining absolutely you know, it's draining yeah. you, you know you start hating football you start hating coming in into training every day you know it's difficult to come in um, you know even when the new boys come in and they're buzzing around the place you know they're excited to be there they think we've got a great squad and then you know for me I've been there for two years now and I've seen I've seen it all. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's two years can be a short time in football from, you know, what I saw. And I was thinking, you know, it's, it's like me when I came in. You know, I was buzzing around the place. Thought we've got a great squad. We're going to get promoted. I'm sure they felt the same. But um, they didn't know what went along with that. So, um, yeah, like once they told me they had my replacement, you know, I thought, well, fine, crack on. Do what you have to do. And, I'll, you know, I was going to look after myself. Mm. So the season starts and then you're not in the squad, so you miss kind of a couple of first games. Is that because actively they were looking to get you out of the club, or you were looking away? So I guess to take it, trying to make sure you weren't injured, or was it just well, like you said we're going to not a player? No, this is a thing I know. There's a lot of unanswered <coughs> questions about that, and you know, even with what the club puts out, it creates more questions than answers. Mm. So I think you know if if you can remember. Um, we went up to Grimsby it was early on in the season and um, I travelled with the side but I wasn't on the bench because um, I had a lot of discomfort in my back and it gets to the point I had the pain from the back end of last season I think if you can remember I missed the Wimbledon game away yeah. with a back injury so I, was, I had it from then and um, you know through pre-season you know it flared up quite a bit but I travelled to Grimsby you know they I told them that I had a problem with my back they still wanted me to travel uh, we trained at Scunfort I tried to train um, and I pulled out of training we got to the game the morning of the game and I said to them you know look I said to the physio look my back's still hurting and it gets to the point as well you're not going to push yourself um, you know I'm in my last year people treat you like an idiot you know very disrespectful and um you know, you're not going to start pushing yourself through the pain barrier, you know, to play. So uh, I said to them, look, I'm in a lot of discomfort and I'm not fit to play. And then uh, I'm not on Twitter, but I know they've done some media thing and put some tweets out or something to say that I made myself unavailable for selection. But they do these kind of things and they, they put this stuff out to try and paint the pictures in a bad light. But then the... That was the Saturday, the Monday. They sent me for a scan. The scan comes back with um, it was uh, two inflamed vertebrae uh, and a CI. I think it's SIJ or CIJ joint is inflamed. So it's like a kind of a shock absorber joint on the bottom of your back. But then they don't put that out. 
you know what I mean? They could have said, he's injured, we've sent him for a scan, so yeah. on and so forth. They put out that, I made myself unavailable, and then next minute they put out, unavailable for selection and so on and so forth. I don't know why they didn't put out and say, he he's injured. Yeah. yeah, but I think because they'd done the first tweet or whatever it was to say, I made myself unavailable, I don't think they wanted to then go ahead and say, he's actually injured, he's yeah. got a scan, because, you know... Saving face. Yeah, basically. Very, very selective yeah. what they put out. Then. Yeah, but because I'm not on Twitter and I've, I've got, it's like I said to you guys, I've got no interest to do, uh, you know, interviews and stuff like that or go on Twitter or, or whatever yeah. to, to right. put things right. Yeah. You know, this is the first, <clears throat> as I said to you, this is the first interview I'm doing, this is probably be the only one. Um, you know, everybody else is out there to try and, get a story to kick the club while they're down so I've got no interest in that so I've never really been out in the media to put things straight and then it's just where it kept on continuing to come and you know the stuff we can speak about later on like the transfer tweet yeah. stuff like that and then now with the statement again you know it's, you just leave it in the past and then they keep on bringing stuff up and you know I feel like you know our side of the story needs to be heard. Mm. Absolutely. So we'll come on to that very shortly. Yeah, so we will. You made your first appearance of the season at home to Stevenage where I actually shook your hand. I was a flag bearer. <laughs> oh, yeah. You came out and I grabbed yeah. your hand and there's some like shot of it that I got off Orin. <laughs> very murky, but that was a great shot. We won 3-0. Proud. Yeah. Proud. Uh, we smashed and Cox scored that header, yeah. uh, which was salmon. Salmon. last goal we left like a salmon. At that point, yeah. thinking, we might do right here. We'd start the season okay. Jay was back, which was a massive bonus. That seemed to lift everyone everyone was really happy and then transfer deadline day goes and then you get the whole Dean Cox um, scenario where he just gets released September the 1st September the 1st yeah, yeah he missed the window obviously yeah. Dean you'd obviously played him for two and a bit years obviously assist King I mean what, what were your thoughts on that when you heard that you just... um, I think it was a strange one because you know he still had another I think another year on his contract he's just come back from uh, ACL injury mm-hmm. and you know he's held in high regards here. You know many regard him as an Orient legend. So for the club to, I don't know what's gone on there. To be honest, I really don't know. But for the club to get rid of him, I thought it was strange. You know, um, whatever discussions they had behind doors, what went, whatever went on. You know, you, only Dean would know, and the, the Italians would know. And I know they're not allowed to speak about it for legal reasons. But I really don't know what went on and I thought it was strange that you know the window had passed <laughs> and then when the window closed that they, they come to an agreement whatever it might have been for him to move on but obviously he wouldn't be able to play until the first or the second of January, January. which is a couple of weeks ago oh well, yeah I was, it was odd because um, he um, he texted me the, the morning that he left the first of September, and he, you know he said, "Ah, oh, I think I'm off, mate. So um, best of luck for the season, you know." And I texted him, "I said, what do you mean you're off? Like windows, windows closed." And he said, "Nah, I think that's me, mate." So I was like, "All right, well, I had to go out and train, so I didn't get back to him." And then after when I come in, and then I spoke to um, Colin Mumford and Charlie Long, and they explained, you know, he's, he's gone. They've come to agreement to cancel his contract, and you know, it just it just seems strange. So I don't really know what went on there, but um, even to have him around for the sake of, you know, the fans, you know, it goes a long way. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was really strange. 
and obviously we could have could have done with him yeah. this would. I think that was one of the final nails in the coffin for a lot of fans. I think that was for me that's one of the big three big mistakes that Machete's made uh, since he's been in charge. And another player to leave, um, which we'll come to very quickly, Scott Cashkit, who obviously left the club yeah. and is now flying at Wickham. I mean, Scott, we saw him a little bit in the first team, he made a few fleeting appearances as a sub, I think he scored one goal home to Oxford. You surprised he's doing so well or did he always have that in him and just wasn't given the chance at Orient? With him, you know, I'm I'm delighted for him. You know, he's uh, he's a great kid. You know, he's like his family are are lovely. You know, his mum comes to the games all the time. You know, she's very friendly. Um, you know, and it was it was tough on him. You know, because you know you'll come in. He's training by himself. You know, he's totally frozen out. You know, he's he's upset. He's you know, it looks like he's slipping into depression. You know, he doesn't know what to do. Um, he's not allowed to move on. And then he's just there in limbo, and then eventually he manages to get out. And now, you know, what I mean, now look at him. Right. Yeah, and um, you know, the youth the youth team, you know, have done well in the last couple of seasons, and you know, he's come through right through the youth. Mm. You know, it's great to see him doing well now. I know people will be disappointed; it's not in an Orient shirt, but for him, you know, I think he deserves it. You know, he works hard. He comes in every year. I've been there pre-season. He's been at the front of the running. And you know he's um, he's sharp. You know he, <laughs> he can be he can be annoying at times, but you know he's he's a sharp, good player. And you know now he's doing really well. So you know I'm I'm delighted for him. There's no uh, surprise to you that he's doing well. No, he's very he's a very technical player. And you know he's like can sniff out a chance here and there. But obviously it's about getting getting the chance to play. And he got the chance and he's taken it. You know he's when we played them. Obviously it was I think it was written that you know he was going to score against us. But yeah, you well, know. Yeah. yeah, for what when you've been around it every day and you see what he's gone through, you know, you, you can only wish him the best. No, and, and we absolutely agree with you. So, what are you thinking then when Hessen Tyler leaves? Because he obviously got sacked earlier this season, then as if the iron couldn't strike twice, you know, they, they bring in another manager who doesn't speak any English at all you kind of see history well as fans we see history repeating itself again as a player what, what's that like? I'm in the same boat as you <laughs> I've, the boys out there haven't been through it you know I've, I've been through it and um, I think at the time you know Cezak was there but he was on loan before but out of everyone I was the only one that had uh, already been through it and um, you know after what happened last time you think surely surely not again you know it didn't work last time and you think you would surely learn from your mistakes. And um, I actually went to the owner's house to go and meet with him because um, he come in, the Italian come in, and then, you know, we started doing the double sessions every day, in every day. And, you know, I went to see him about it to try and get it stopped because I saw it done previously. You know, they saw what it done, but we still decided to make that decision, trying to get a reaction out of the players. But, you know, it takes the heart out of the team, it kills the morale, you know, everyone's coming in down in the dumps, you know, no one wants to be there. Then, you know, it starts to starts to affect the results. You know, people will start to try and, you know, look elsewhere or try and get on the phone to the agents, try and see if they can do something for them in the next window or whatever. But, you know, it it just kills it just kills the change room. You know, the players obviously as football players, you know, you don't want to give players too many excuses because you know they will use them, but that that was after what happened before. That was a strange decision, very strange. So again, was could he not? He couldn't speak a word, could he? You know, he's having no. to go through another translator. Yeah, makes it all harder. Which is a young kid. Yeah, yeah. So he, 
I think he signed as like the assistant manager or something like that, but he was obviously just a translator. But yeah, so he went back to again training and it's slow, uh, takes forever to get a point across, stopping the sessions, and you want to speak back, you've got to translate. And if you want to have a meeting, video meeting, you've got to go through the translator. So everything takes long, you know, it gets dragged out, people start losing interest. You know, training doesn't become sharp anymore, you know, it becomes laboured and sessions get longer you know it was, it was deja vu you know I've, I saw it before the boys didn't see it you know they was you know having a moan up about it but um, you know it was literally exactly the same as the first year yeah. I got there and one result I mean he, he, I think he lost 8 out of 10 but one result he did get was a 3 0 away against Colchester and you got a double we'll come, we'll come on to some of your better goals well, some <laughs> of your goals later a fantastic yeah. strike at that point you're thinking we could maybe still do something here or are you just thinking well, we just beat them because they were more poor than us. Yeah, I think at the time, um, you know, I think when you win a game, you know, you always have to, to take credit. I know Colchester weren't the best that day, but, you know, for what we was going through and uh, what was going on at the training ground and behind the scenes, you know, I think it was a great result. But it was a, it was a relief for the boys. I'm not, I'm not taking no credit, but that was like after I had the meeting. Mate, take the credit, so, two goals. Yeah, I didn't get the training <laughs> session stopped, so I didn't, I didn't achieve achieve what I went to achieve. So he was there when you went there, so we should have picked up on that. He was no, there when you went there. No, no, I went there with uh, the owner and Vito. Ah, and then and you all had a meeting. Yeah, and then after I met with them, then I went, I came back to um, Essex to Bucket Hill to meet with the owner. I mean, not the owner, sorry, with the manager to try and get my points across to him that was felt amongst the changing room. I felt because I've been there the longest and, you know, I've been through it before, I felt the boys coming in that had just signed, you know, they their heads up in the, in the air, they don't know what's going on, they mm-hmm. can't believe what they've seen. So I've, I tried I tried to do my best to try and, you know, get the, the crazy schedule stopped and try and avoid what happened before. But, mm-hmm. you know, even with that, after a while yourself, you know, you, you lose sight of yeah. it all. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so sure. Alberto gets sent packing after about ten games, and Ali Edwards is given a chance finally, which fans been calling for. Yeah. Right, calling your eyes. But I mean, it's, he he knows the club. It's been a long time. He knows the club inside out, and then it just goes to: Is he going to be able to? When he got the job, you know, I was happy for him, but you just think: Is he going to be able to do it the way he wants to? You know, you know, and then obviously now you look at things, and obviously not. What are Andy's key attributes? What does he bring as a manager? I think what he brings... He was a defender, so you know he's going to try and shore up the defence. I think we worked a lot on, on set plays while I was there with him. You know, we was conceding a lot of goals from set plays and, and corners and free kicks, even a few from the throw-in. So um, you know, we worked a lot on that. But I think from him being promoted from inside the club, you know, he, he knows the youth team better than anybody else. So with regards to promoting youth... You know, if you brought somebody else in, they don't know anyone in the youth team. So I thought in that respect, it was a great opportunity for the youngsters. And now we're going to be, well, so, so you, you're you going to be relying on the youngsters. So um, yeah. hopefully he, um, he can bring out the best in them. A lot of pressure on them. Yeah, a lot of pressure. But, you know, when I was that age, I, you know, some of them were 17. You know, I wish I had that, that opportunity. I know it's a bad time, perhaps, to be going into the team. But, you know... You can you can make a name for yourself. You need a platform, so you know they. In every, any other circumstances, if he was doing well, would they be anywhere near it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? So, 
hopefully the club can stay up and you know the youngsters will have a year of experience under the belt and then next year hopefully they can push on they've got nothing to lose have they no fear factor nothing to lose yeah exactly yeah. Make an exactly yeah. so around Christmas time you were left out of the squad um, Andy Edwards said that you'd asked to leave but the club confirmed there's this, this, this tweet that, that, that Andy had said post-match that you weren't in the in the team because you'd asked asked to leave and then the club tweeted quite bizarrely that uh, I haven't got it in front of me word for word but something along the lines of that you handed in a formal transfer request yeah, yeah. what's what's happening here so um, as you know obviously I'm not on, on Twitter so no. I, you know what I was uh, I said to you earlier, you know, a, a friend of mine sent it to me, and you know, when I saw it, I laughed. You know, I thought it was funny because I knew I didn't hand in a transfer request, and then even going along with what it was changed to, asking to leave, I've never knocked on anybody's door and gone and asked them to leave the club. Um, even when the summer after I scored the goals, I never went and asked anybody to leave. This time's the same thing. You know, Andy asked me if I wanted to be at the club, and I was pretty honest with him. You know, I said to him, no. So, technically, you know, I didn't ask to leave. I was getting my head down and play play the games. But my stance was from the summer. You know, it never changed from the summer when they messed me around. You know, I already made my mind up. So, and he knew it, it stayed the same throughout the summer. I think Hess knew it stayed the same. And there was no there was no change in that. But, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was strange. But I know... You know, Andy's under pressure. You know, people can be asking questions. Why am I not playing? Why am I not in on the bench? Or, and you know, I know he, he would have felt that he needed to say something. But um, yeah, I think, I don't blame him for anything. You know, because I know how it is at the club, and I know there's stuff that he can't say. And you know, the the owners, people upstairs will tell him, don't say this or say that. You can only say this, or we don't need to say that, and so on and so forth. So. No, I get on great with Andy. You know, he's a great guy. Um, he's always been a total gentleman since I've been at the club. So even with his comment in the media, I don't hold that against him. You know, because I know how it is at the club and I know how you can be dictated to. But um, yeah, I just think it was poorly handled. They knew my stance. It's not like I just turned around before that game and said, you know what, I want to leave. I don't want to be here anymore. You know, I, I pride myself on being honest. And you know, they asked me a question. I gave them my honest answer. I think, you know, if you ask the squad now who wants to be there, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they say. If anybody would be honest to say that they don't. But, you know, mm. fans ask me during the season and, you know, I was honest with them as well. Yeah, there's a few people that have commented that they sit in the gallery and speak to you yeah. pre-games and, and how honest and refreshing it is to, to speak to someone that's that, that's being honest. But we'll come on to those questions yeah. in a little bit. Yeah, so on the 9th of January, um, I won't confirm you've moved... To Philadelphia Union in the MLS. Um, so how did that move come about? Obviously, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, I hope Jay doesn't end up at Southend. That was yeah. my <laughs> wish for you. I was like, please get him going back to Southend. And then MLS Philadelphia, amazing. Yeah. Like Fox Network are tweeting about it, like videos of you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was a, it was an odd one because um, I know how it looks to to you know to the fans that you know this was going on for a while and I tried to force a move, but you know even that I just told them I wanted to move on. I just wanted to get out of the club. You know, I was felt like I was I've never been diagnosed with depression before. I don't know what it's like, but you know, you feel like you're you're depressed, you know, you're down, you hate coming in, you know, you always you're always in a bad mood and you know, I tried to just get out and then worry about football later on. Once I was out and I felt, you know what I mean, then I can sort out wherever I end up going. But um yeah, when the MLS thing popped up, 
you know, come out of nowhere really. And um, you know, I know at the time the, the club uh, Orient was speaking to a few clubs in England, and you know I didn't really know where it was at. And then my agent uh, called me up and said, "Would you be interested in going to America?" I said, "You know, why not?" It's like something that excites me. I didn't really want to go somewhere. If I was going somewhere, the first thing I was looking at is location. Yeah. And then second is football. And it's not really something that I felt if I was looking at location is something that excited me. I think if you find something that excites you, wherever it is, if it was Manchester or, you know, down the coast, Plymouth or whatever, you know, you'd go. You'd feel happy to go. When that came up, you know, I was all for it. You know, it, it excited me. It gave me a real buzz about it. And, um, you know, I was, I was all for it. Amazing. So you signed a deal at the MLS. So that yeah. season starts, is it, is it next? Is it, March it, starts, it starts in March, yeah. March the 5th is the first first game. Amazing. Yeah. Bet you can't wait to, to get started. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, you know, for, you know, I can't wait to get started. Looking forward to going over there. Um, you know, I went over there um, when I signed. I was over there for... Uh, the weekend so you know it's a fantastic city um, amazing fan base uh, the facilities are are amazing you know they've, they've just built a new training ground and um, you know I was fortunate enough to, to visit some nice training grounds over the years and you know it's definitely up there with you know the premiership quality wow. training ground wow. so Great. You know, yeah, so it's an exciting time. And, um, you know, obviously MLS is growing in England. You know, they're playing more of the games on TV and uh, it's getting more coverage. But when I went over there, I was truly humbled. You know, the MLS over there is huge now. You know, they've got the NFL, NBA, hockey, you know, they've got big yeah, sports. But, yeah, but yeah. now the NBA, um, the MLS, sorry, is massive. So when I went over there and, you know, you see how big it is and you see how crazy they're going for football, you know, it gives you a real buzz, you know, I, I can't wait to get started. Really amazing. So, so one door opens and another one closes. Did you get a chance to say goodbye? Have you had like a, a nice chance to say goodbye to everyone at the club, like players and staff? Yeah, no, definitely. I've um, I went in. I came back on the Tuesday morning. I can't remember what date that was. But I came back the Tuesday morning, so I went from the airport. I landed at about half six in the morning. Went home, uh, saw the kids and my wife. Took the kids to school. Um, Went from the school to the training ground to say bye to all the boys and the staff. Um, you know, I get I got a really good relationship with the boys there and the staff. You know, the club's got some fantastic people. You know, I've, um, I was meant to go from the training ground to the stadium, but then I felt I'll go. I thought I'll go the next day, and um, next day my son wasn't well, so I had him with me, so I didn't go. And then, you know, I was waiting on my visa, so I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to to go to the stadium. But um, yeah, I managed to get down there. I went um, went to dinner, <laughs> went to dinner with uh, Charlie Mumford and um, Colin Mumford and Charlie Long. Went to dinner with them. Uh, had a nice evening with them. Um, went to see Ada and his and his wife Lindsay. You know, I get, got a great relationship with Ada. You know, I can't can't thank him enough for my time that I've had here. You know, he's always looked after me, and you know, it's, those are the kind of people you always remember. You know, he goes out of your way for you no matter what. You might ask him for the request, you know, he would do his best to, to try and try and get that sorted for you. But um you know, I was disappointed I didn't see Howard there. He was he was out and about. But um yeah, I got to see, you know, the people at the offices and, and the training ground, so I got to say come on, goodbyes. That's, that's good. Because yeah, yeah. not a lot of people get to do that, so that's that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. Out of interest, was a new contract put forward by the club at all by Leighton Orient? So was was a oh, new contract, a new contract? Put oh. forward at all? 
Despite um, all that's gone on. Well, um, this is the thing. You got to the win. The window closed. Uh, the summer window, and then um, you know, obviously, I've through the summer, like I'd fallen out with the owner as well. Um, at the training ground, we had a, a big argument, and then coming to see me. Uh, when was it? Sometime in September, and he came in to see me to just say, you know, like the summer was a big misunderstanding, and you know we'll put it behind us and move on. So you know I don't hold a grudge. So I felt yeah, you know, alright, we'll move on. He said he wanted to offer me a new contract. I was like the beginning of September. Got to January, I didn't see no offer. So you know, I when when they said it to me, I thought you know it's just it's just talk. You know, I just felt like it might be a thing now where they use it to try and motivate me yeah. or to you. So they offer that and they think that, you know, now I'm going to turn it on or all of a sudden I'm going to come alive again and, you know, want to be here and stuff like that. But I just felt like, you know, the damage had been done. Uh, Kavassin came in, he kept telling me, I was at the house yesterday, they, they've given the order to um, to start negotiating to give you the offer. Kavassin's gone. Every week he was telling me that, I'd never seen no offer got to November, no offer, December, no offer, and I knew if it comes to January, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. So I wasn't too bothered about them not offering me anything because I just felt if it comes to January, you know, I've got six months left on my contract, you know, something something will probably be done. If not, then, you know, I'll just be gone in the summer. But either way, it was either January or it was the summer that was going to be gone. But no, I didn't. I never received no offer, whether it was more money, less money, uh an extra year or I never received no offer okay so Friday morning comes um, and you're probably just you know relaxing and you've left late in Orient so you don't expect to pop up on any, on any more comments <laughs> yeah. or any social media but um, statement comes out uh, we've been through it you know quote we'll take the quote from the statement it says in regards to player departures since last February Jay Simpson had scored six goals and from last summer he has been trying to lead the club Andy Edwards rightly decided to leave him out of the squad because of his lack of commitment to Leighton Orient. So that was the statement. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it was a, it was a funny one because on that Friday Friday morning, I got a, a call from Paul McCallum, you know, asked me if I'd seen the statement. And as I said, I'm not on Twitter, so I don't I don't see any of this stuff. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I've, I've left Orient and, you know, it's in the past. So he says to me, right, I'm going to send it through to you. So I um, get off the phone to him, he sends me a text with a link to the website. And I've read it, and at first I was, you know, I was trying to go back and read it again. It didn't, some of it didn't make sense. And, you know, I thought like the grammar was quite funny. But um, <laughs> I, got to, statement. <laughs> <laughs> I got to the end of it, and again, I just, I just laughed. You know, was, from being there, you know, I don't expect anything less from them. You know, I thought it was a strange, strange thing to do. Uh, on a Friday as well before a game but then again to me it just looked like you know they're trying to take the heat off of themselves and um, you know I thought it was extremely odd you know them trying to point the finger you know at, at the players again like you know Darius left how long ago Joby yeah, left ages ago I've, I've left the club so you know why is it still why are you still pointing the finger I was awful you know and um yeah, I just I just felt like it was a strange it was a strange thing to do. I don't know why they sent it out. I don't know why they're still holding on to the past. But then to me, it just looks like you know they're trying to trying to save face and they always want to point the finger at somebody else. But over the years I've been there, there's been countless amount of managers. We've had a new team pretty much nearly every window. 
and you know they're still pointing the fingers, but the only common denominator is is the upstairs. So you know they, they I don't know why they refuse to to look at themselves, you know, and uh, and take take maybe not all of the blame, but take some of the blame for the decisions that they've made or the choices that they've the choices they've made or the odd odd things that they've done or the way they've treated people. But you know they're still trying to point the finger like Starris's fault. What what has he done? That's that's put us in this position. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah. we're fine at the well. You're fine at the bottom of um, you know League Two, but it's Darius's fault or it's Joby's fault or because I wasn't committed to the club, it's my fault. But that's what I mean with the statements that they make. It just leaves more questions to than answers. You know, play people want to know why I wanted to move on. You know, and obviously I'm happy to tell you to tell you why, but you know. I think everything that they've done, they just always leave more questions, and they, you know, the communication is poor. But you know, that's why, you know, I felt all the the stuff I've seen before in the media, and you know, my friends send me stuff from Twitter, or you know, in the past, like the when I spoke about the Grimsby tweet, and then the transfer transfer request tweet and stuff like that. Um, no, I ain't done any interviews because you know, I'm not bitter. Uh, I just felt leave it in the past, but you know. For them to keep on bringing it up, and I felt at this time I felt, you know, I've left the club and they still want to, you know, bring me into it. Like it's my fault. So I felt, you know, maybe it's fair for for me to put my point of view across. You know, I spoke to Kevin Lisby about it. Uh, you know, me and Kev are really close, and you know, because some stuff just get under your skin. You know, most of the time I said to him, you know, I'm not interested in the interviews. Um, you know, and he he said uh, about your show. You know, you know, he said like you you want me to come on here, and um, obviously I saw um, the the notification on Instagram. I mean, <laughs> we, we wanted you to come on anyway, regardless yeah. of the statement, because we yeah. wanted yeah. to talk to you anyway. Yeah. But I guess the statement kind of gave another kind of chapter to, yeah. to getting you on. Yeah, because um, you know, as I said to you guys before, you know, I wasn't interested in the interviews because you know now with especially with the statement coming out and all the stuff that goes around the club, you know, you've got people digging for stories, you know, to try and destroy the club. Yeah. So, you know, I was happy to come on air as, you know, you're both fans and, you know, it's for the fans. And, you know, I know over the, the past couple of months, you know, people have asked me a lot of questions and, you know, I haven't really answered them or stuff that's gone out, you know, I've just left it for people to have their own point of view on it. But, um, yeah, speaking to Kev and, you know, Kev loves the club. Uh, I'm very fond of the club as uh, regardless of what people might think they might think I hate the club but I didn't hate the club you know I love the people at the club I love my teammates you know I had, uh, even with all the the funny stuff that happened you know I had a, I've got some great memories of the club and you know um, I thought it was a shame in the way that I left and the way it was left that people thought what they might have thought of how, um, how I left the club so you know I felt might be worth um, answering a few questions that people wanted to know. Fair enough. No, and yeah, glad absolutely. to be able to give you the platform to yeah. be able to 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 do that. So obviously, like you said, they're pretty much covering themselves, finger pointing at everybody, and not taking any responsibility to still be pointing the finger at yourself and and Joby and Darius have obviously all, all left. So just just for clarity, in regards to players' departure since last February. Jay Simpson had scored six goals and from last summer had been trying to leave the club. That's absolutely not that's not the case based on what you'd said before, just to be clear. Yeah, so even with that, you know, I, I said to you guys, you know, from the summer, uh, my views never changed. You know, I, I didn't want to be at the club. 
but they've put that out in a statement. People want to know why. So why didn't he want to be at the club? And then, you know, they can't answer why. But, you know, I've gone through the interview with you guys and I've explained mm-hmm. to you why. You know, my my own club unsettled me. You know, I never, I never once asked to leave the club in the summer after the goals. And I never asked to leave. But, you know, the club comes in the summer before and, you know, wants me gone and they come again. Uh, the summer just this summer just gone again and you know I was fine you know I was settled in the area I'm local um, you know my son my daughter and my son go to school around the corner trainings around the corner you know I was I was comfortable but when your own club unsettles you you know you just you know you lose all interest to be honest I guess that's the uphill battle now we face as a club obviously the statement has brought things to the forefront in terms of like the national press with Talk Sports Sky Sports on it yeah. BBC on it yeah so, yeah so Talk Sport that was released just so Talk Sport did a segment on Jim White's show he has a show oh, from yeah. 10 till 1 yeah. and they released that statement minutes before that went on air Okay, he, yeah. it, it, it didn't break for him for, for everybody else but yeah. he kind of said yeah. you, this just in yeah. club statement from Leighton Orient blah 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 and he literally read verbatim yeah, so the it's whole statement everyone yeah, is aware so now bad. BBC picked it up yeah. Evening Standard picked it up everyone picked it up yeah. massively you know, it, didn't, it didn't reflect well it's embarrassing no it doesn't it's embarrassing. No. Um, I think off, even after that you know, as I said to you guys you know, I had Sky phoning me uh, non-stop you know, leaving messages you know you've got loads of journalists phoning everybody wants a story and you know this is what I mean you know they cause their own problems so um, they put out these statements and they they bring it to the attention of people that weren't even looking at the club you know everyone, everyone's got to sell papers or everyone wants a story you know journalists have got to got to produce stories for websites and so on and you know like I said the day before a game I think it was crazy and then you know what? What's what good is going to come from that? You know, I, I just don't understand it. I just think it's it's a strange thing to do. I don't know who whose bright idea it was, but again, with that, obviously, you can see with the media department, it's not come from them. Absolutely. You know, so they've just they got to do their job. If they're told to put it out, that's what they got to put out. Absolutely. Um, so that's the statement covered. So just a bit of a summary um, about your time at Orient. So quick fire yeah. questions, and then we'll come on to listen to questions. I apologise, this has been quite a long interview, but <laughs> no, we have quite a big listener response. So who, who? let's start by going, actually, favourite goal at Orient. Do you have a top five? Do you have a top one? Um, <laughs> um, I liked, I liked the, uh, the culture start on the first one. It's kind of like a, a poacher's goal, but... Because of at the time, the way the club were, you know, I thought it was it was massive, and it obviously set us up for for the win. So that's one of my favourite ones. And you got a few good strikes in there, like Newport away. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, uh, turn of the shoulder, smack yeah. it. Yeah, it's a good one. Left foot that one. Yeah, there's uh, an away one to Plymouth that was really similar. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, you turned, yeah. smashed it. I, I like that one. And um, yeah, I think you know if you score from a scream or you score from the halfway line. You score a tap in, you know, they're all equal the same. So, mm, yeah, as a, as a striker, yeah, goals are goal. Brilliant. Um, best player you've played with at Orient? For me, um, is Joey McEnough. You know, he's very technical player, he's very intelligent. You know, he's he's been around the game, he's played loads of games. Uh, I think he obviously gone <coughs> past it now, but when he was at Orient, he reached his 600th game, 600th game. Um, he's carrying on playing now, and you know. Technically, he's uh, he's very good with the ball. 
intelligent. You know, he can pick out a pass. He can run with it. You know, he can cross both feet. He can beat a man. You know, he can play in the middle of the park as well. You know, he's he's um, he's a very good player. Cool. Best trainer at the club, or best trainer, you, best player you train with? Sorry, best trainer. Sorry, not best trainer at the club. <laughs> um, I would have to go. Uh, I would have to go with I think uh, either Matthew Borgia or Scott Cuthbert. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they right. are. Oh man, they're the same way they play. It's the way they train, <laughs> especially you. Scotty Cuthbert. He'll be flying into tackles, blocking shots with his face, taking it. Right, in there. Yeah. I can in imagine that. He's yeah. your fa- he's your one of your oh, favourites, isn't it, Scotty? So. Yeah. yeah. He plays with everything or nothing. Oh, yeah, he does sleep. Yeah. yeah, we'll take a ball in the face. Yeah, yeah, and then ask you to do it again. Just, yeah, just to show oh, how man, hard he is. Yeah, he's he's mad, but he he was yeah every day. He was like that every day about a film. So it, when they say that, that old cliche about you know trainers, you mean to as you play, he's definitely Indeed. one of them. Yeah, when we do like worst dressed. Um, players, yeah. there's always a consistent answer. <laughs> he's, he's my mate as well, so I don't want to say him. God, I know you're gonna say Pritchard, yeah. Pritchard is one, and Matt yeah. Baldry oh, always yeah. come. Pritchard, Pritchard, Pritchard has like, some funky gear, apparently. Pritchard is a bit, he's a bit is he misunderstood. Yeah, I think he's a bit, a bit misunderstood. He's a bit <laughs> retro, a bit like. Um, <laughs> If the days of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, that was on now, then Pritch would be, be the man. Yeah, oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. But Baudry's got a thing where he doesn't doesn't like to wear socks. <laughs> yes, yes, that's yeah. right. That's got he didn't wear socks from the interview. interview. Yeah, yeah shoes. Yeah. He won't wear socks with shoes. Trainers. Sometimes you'd be in the hotel. He's just walking around barefoot through reception. Like he's yeah. Like he doesn't, doesn't yeah. like yeah. Brilliant. A bit funny. Brilliant. Um, roommate on away trips. Um, when I first came, I was with Joby McEnough, and then um, when he was out of the pitch, I was with Pritchard, Bradley Pritchard, and then um, after Pritch, when he went along, then I was with Nigel, so Nigel at Tangana, which is me and Nigel are really close, so he always comes around for dinner and stuff like that, so he's, he's a very good guy. He's very smart, nice guy, smart, isn't he? Yeah, very nice guy. To, to us, as we just walk up to him and talk to him, he's yeah. so humble. Yeah, he's Lovely. a very, always very nice guy, yeah. <coughs> cool. Um, well, we can probably answer this question, but for those that, that don't know, you tea or coffee, man? <laughs> tea. Tea. <laughs> tea, half yeah. sugar. Yeah. yeah, tea, yeah. Always. If I'm out having having a meal somewhere, I've got to, got to have a cup of tea to start or finish. Like it. Sometimes cool. too, you know, cool. feeling a bit... Like it. A bit like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite meal? <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I'm more of a homely... I like going to my mum's for Sunday dinner, so I'd say right. my favourite meal was my, mom, my mum's Sunday dinner. Oh, scoring points. Um, any pre-match superstitions? Uh, no. I, I don't want to say it's a superstition, but I'll, even at home, you know, I always put like my left shoe on or my, like, my left shin pad on before. Well, right, I get the left side ready before the right. I don't know if that's a superstition, but I do that at home as well. well so. it, yeah. I didn't notice until uh, one time a player said to me, like, do you always... Put your left boot on. Is that superstition? Well, thought no. Just it's just it. what I do. Because you know? yeah. yeah. you're predominantly right-footed. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then to finish off our questions, then uh, our last question is: It is widely reported uh, Bichetti and Jaleri Vito at the training ground often. But what do they do? Do they watch training? Are they watching you, or are they doing? Uh, are they go about their own business. No, the uh, Vito's there every day. Um, you know, he watches training. I don't know. I don't know what they do. They watch his training. Um, 
sometimes Alessandro Alessandro was there a lot sometimes he watches training other times he's just in the office but yeah I don't know is that, is that quiet as a player you just looking down what, what or do you just crack on I've been there quite a long time yeah I'm used to it. it's been since I got there they've, they've always been you know walking around the, chain, the yeah. training ground or on the training pitch but I suppose if you ask some of the new boys they might find it weird but yeah. yeah, to you it's the norm. Okay, yeah. so listeners' question. So we put it out there on Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram, and we had a massive response. We'll try and keep it short yeah. and sweet. So the first question it's from Julian Fern says, "What's your favourite all-time Orient moment?" Um, do you know what? I would say uh, the Barnet game, the first game of the season when we played Barnet, just because from looking back over the years I was here. That was, I think, the best atmosphere I can remember inside uh, Brisbane, Brisbane Road. Yeah. Yeah. First time getting the season, sun yeah, was shining, the sun was out, big crowd. Yeah, little kind of derby. And yeah, that's mm. that's probably uh, the memory, I'd say. Overhead kick as well. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right yeah. to top it off. Good yeah. memory. Yeah. Yeah. And then we kind of got a header, yeah. 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 Did, did you feel, he, his second question was, did you feel appreciated by the fans? Yeah, I actually did. You know, I think there's a lot of fans that you know I'll stop and speak to, um, you know as we spoke about Simon earlier. You know I always stop and speak to them. I speak to them in the gallery uh, going home. I speak. I speak to them. I speak to anyone really. But um, yeah, some of the fans I had a really good relationship with them. You know I felt always felt appreciated even when I was going through, you know the tough times or when I wasn't playing or the stuff going on upstairs. You know they was always they was always with me. And I appreciate that. I know it's a bit cliche to say you're not going to say oh no I didn't but I actually did yeah. and the fans that I do speak to all the time you know they'll, they'll be able to vouch for me absolutely so moving on to Cliff Weston who says from very early on this season the squad seems to be lacking confidence and belief do you believe uh, do you think this was down to Bichetti or down to the manager or just um, I think it's more so uh, we had a lot of new players in the summer and I think you know it's well documented about stuff that going at the club and you know like the hotel thing was in the media but I think the new players you know they were excited to come in and then when they start to see things you know I think like we went on a pre-season trip to Italy and you know I think it's fair to say it was pretty much a shambles like the organisation and so on and you think for all those new players that have come in and then they've seen a trip like this and then you know it starts you mean to go on I suppose kind of sold up the river yeah, a bit. yeah, yeah. Um, we had a, a a message in from Warren as well. Um, Ollie Palmer and and Paul McCallum kind of divide Orient fans <coughs> as well. But you try to look up on the podcast as you probably li- uh, you probably listen uh, on on our previous ones. Um, they both offer obviously different qualities. Um, Lots of fans are divided. Some feel Paul Paul's lazy. Others feel Oli works too hard and get the return. What, as a as a strike partner, what what's your preference? Um, friends aside, from a strictly professional football point of view, you know it's like um, when when you ask like players about opinions of on what they think of other players, sometimes it's hard to compare them because even though they're both you know six foot plus like target men, mm-hmm. they're both different players. Yeah. Where in some games, like you, you play with Paul, you know he's like he's gonna fight with the defenders. You know something will drop. I think with Oli, you know he puts them under pressure where they might make a mistake. So it's 
I think if you could combine the two, you've got you know, perfect plan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but um, I think more well, more sad longer to play with Oli, I believe, than uh, than Paul. But yeah, I think as much as the fans might look at him as you know they're both like a number nine a target man, I think they both got a lot of different qualities. I know they say like maybe Paul's not as mobile or doesn't move around much, but you know in the air, he's I suppose he's better in the air, and then Oli. You run the channels. You put people under pressure. You know you you throw himself in there. So you know they both got different qualities. Graham Levy asks, "Who was your preferred strike partner at Orient, and why?" So this is going back over your two and a half years. Who who did you most enjoy playing up front with? Um, Plasmati. I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, in training. Um, I used to love playing with. Uh, Kev Lisby, I didn't get much of a chance to play with him up front. You said a year, wasn't it? It was a year where you were at the club and he was at the club and that yeah. together. Yeah, I was in training, like, you know, experience, like, obviously he was getting older, so he wasn't as mobile as he was, but everything that came into him would stick. And, you know, you know he's going to get hold of it, set you off, and, you know, mm. you, you're going to get a lot of chances. But, His um, brain's still very sharp. Yeah, and to be fair, I learned a lot from him. You know, even with his movements, you know, he was getting on. He, he's still fit now, but, you know, obviously as you get older, you're not as sharp, but his movements, you know, it's hard hard to coach that. You know, yeah. you just pick up over experience, but to watch him and see the way he moves and he's still getting in and you think, like, he's not the quickest. How did he get in there? And he's four or five yards ahead of someone. Is, yeah. yeah, and then, you know, when he gets the chances in the net. So, you know, Kev, I learned a lot from Kev. Yeah, that's what Cox used to say. Cox used to say, <clears> if he got the ball on the left, he wouldn't even have to look. Yeah. Because he would know from instinct where Lisby was going. Yeah. And he'd always be there. Like, I don't know how he'd get there, but he'd yeah. be where that ball was going. It's it's funny because when I was younger and like coaches talk about experience and you think if you're good enough you'll play. You know what I mean? The experience is an excuse. But as I got older and you see people who have the experience, like Lisby, and then you try and study them and see like their movements or how they make space for themselves. It's not just like to run into the channel or backing into someone. Yeah. You know, he always make, manages to make like a yard of space, you know, to watch him how he does it. You know, the, the runs he makes before he makes the run to receive the ball. You know, so you can learn a lot from him. Definitely. Wicked. David Usher, um, who's at D David U, um, tweeted as saying, do you feel that if Russell was supported and had stayed, we'd be playing Newcastle now rather than Newport? <laughs> Hyper uh, hindsight being a wonderful yeah, thing, obviously. Yeah. But um, who, uh, I think who knows? Well, um, Russell is obviously, you know, he's loved by the fans. You know, he, he almost got them promoted to the championship, and you know, Russell felt it was the time for him to move on. So you know, who knows? Maybe if he wanted to stay or if he wanted to move on, yeah. I couldn't tell you. But um, I, I suppose we couldn't be in any worse a position. Yeah. So John Leach at the Leach on Twitter says, out of all the managers you played under Orion, uh, who did you most enjoy working under? Um, Ian Hendon. Purely because, you know, with him, he always told me, said it to me how it was. You know, if he thought I played bad, he would be the first to tell me I played bad. If I played well, he'd tell me I played well. You know, you know, you could F him blind at you, but, yeah. you know, you can shake hands and get on, get on with it. You know, I've, mm. I've got a lot of respect for him and that's why now I still... I still speak to him now, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him and, you know, he helped me to really enjoy my football again. Brilliant. At Simon Bernstein tweeted us, or DM'd us, said, I sponsor Jay, he knows me well. I can honestly say that Jay has been an exceptional professional and always has time for the supporters. The way in which he's been treated at times is a disgrace. Best of luck, Simon. 
Oh, appreciate that from Simon. You know, like I said, with the fans that I always speak to, you know, they've got a, got a good relationship with them. And um, you know, I remember on the train back from Newport, um, I caught the train back, and uh, he was on my train. We had a good chat, good chat then, and I think that was the first of many. And then you know, we built up a a good relationship with each other. You know, and I appreciate his well wishes, and you know, I wish him well. I know you'll be hurting with the the position that you find yourself in, but. You know, he was always he was always great to me. You know, it's pleasure pleasure talking to him, and you know, hopefully I'll see him sometime in the future. And mm. if I'm ever around, you know, we always have a always have a catch up. Yeah, I mean, he he emailed over from Thailand. He's <laughs> living so, the life out there. He is. At Dublin, says what influences the crowd have on the team. So so when players are well, what fans are shouting? Does that affect you? Some players are teams so like so. We spoke to Vince Lowe, mm. who says. He, he just literally has this wall around him and he blocks out everything that he is. Yeah. Does it... you the same or...? Yeah, I don't really... Um, really notice much while you're playing, to be honest. Like, um, when I spoke about that Barnet game, like, it was a great atmosphere. Like, Plymouth was a great atmosphere. I think when the atmosphere is great, um, you more remember. Um, obviously, there was times where, you know, the fans are unhappy and, you know, they're having their chance or so on and so forth. But as a player, you don't really let it affect you. I think it helps when the atmosphere is good and the, the fans are behind you. When they're not, maybe it affects some people, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're playing football. So you yeah. just go out there and, and try and perform. Absolutely. So uh, next, Nick Roche at Euro Orient. And there might be a few here, so I don't know if you get it down to just one. Yeah. Just what was the craziest moment in your time at Orient? Probably the hotel hotel thing. I, I never saw that coming, and I still don't know what it would, what they were trying to achieve from that. So I'll say that. Yeah. Okay, fair answer. At Elliot Burn, uh, Elliot and Burn tweeted as he said he tweeted us a couple of questions, but uh, one's already been answered. Um, so we're going to the second one. He says, after an incredible goal record, how frustrating has last year been? Where the goals hadn't come as regularly as the first six months of the season. We kind of touched on this before, but. Yeah, it was. Um, it is frustrating because you know you're scoring for fun and you're enjoying yourself, but um, it's more so the enjoyment and being happy. When that goes, you know, it's, it didn't didn't matter about the goals. You know, you you want to enjoy your career. You know, the career is not a long career, and you want to go out and enjoy every opportunity you have to play. And once you're not enjoying it, it's it's difficult, and you know you don't look at so much. Oh, I haven't scored in how long? You know, you just want to enjoy your football. So I think. That's more frustrating than, than goals drying up. Yeah. Um, Ian Mane, Mane John, so he goes back and refers to the statement. We have quite a few questions like this, just saying, just how charismatic is our magnificent <laughs> leader? Uh, when I saw that statement, I, that's what I meant. I had to laugh because I, I don't know who they're trying to fool that or, you know, um, with them saying like the player's missing the owner. I don't, I don't really know, but... Each to their own, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> each to their own. I, I think there's a lot to do with people not knowing what he's like. So he's only ever done one um, stand-up <clears throat> meet with the fans, which was yeah. with the chairman. I went to that, and it it was really odd. It yeah. wasn't like a, a high, like this is what we're trying to do. It's more like a yeah. head teacher walked in the room. And it was really yeah. standoffish. Well, I spoke to Simon about that. He said to me that um, he selected the questions beforehand, and then yeah. there was like no. Twitter or no Yeah, uh, so I, I was so. sitting there tweeting and yeah. missed the social media announcements while I'm tweeting and yeah. got pros to the <laughs> tweet. Yeah, so, so I mean, still left with more questions than answers. So what's, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, Strop underscore O said, what is morale like at LOFC? 
going back on that Tuesday uh, to say bye to the boys, you know, I'm I'm on top of the world, you know, I'm more so happy that I've, I've got out of the circus, but obviously I signed the deal, but, you know, going in, it was hard to believe that last week, looking at the boys, like, that was me. You know, it's difficult for the boys, you know, I, I wish them all well, you know, and, you know, I'd would, I would love for the fans to get behind them because if they understood how hard it is for the players to get going there, you know, the fans would appreciate the players a lot more. But um, when I went in, morale was on the floor. Basement level is, is and it's hard to build back up. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's a difficult time. And then, obviously, after that, I was, I was told about boys going on the transfer list and so on. And then, obviously, now, that statement, you know, it doesn't help. So, it's, it's a very difficult situation for the players to be in. And, you know, it's their careers as well at the end of the day. So, um, you know, hopefully they can try and get their heads down and focus on, on getting out of the position that they're in. Oh, at Sunshine, LOFC, it says David Mooney has described Bichetti as the destroyer. <laughs> agree with that nickname? Well, if the shoe fits. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sam underscore Olive asks... What's it like when you see and hear the away fans singing your name and celebrating? Oh, I'm, I'm oh when we go that, away. I'm assuming that's our fans when yeah, we're the away, away fans, yeah. Because um, obviously they're yeah, like, yeah. for us away, aren't they? Um, a few of the games, I think, uh, when we went Barnet away, um, obviously we got the draw, but when we went Colchester away, you know, like, they were fantastic. You know, um, it's strange because I think those games they're a lot louder than when when we play at home. Mm-hmm. They are, they are. And uh, like even Colchester, like there was a lot of fans there, but the atmosphere was electric. Same as Stevenage away. I can remember a lot of the games where we played away, and the atmosphere was very good. You got two in that Stevenage away. Yeah, you got the double. But they filled out like the, behind the goal, so yeah. you yeah. know and there was singing throughout, and you know there was it was lively. I know it's easier when you're winning, but. Yeah, their way, their way support is is always yeah. good. Packed up Barnet away as well, eleven hundred yeah. fans. It's only yeah. across London, but still people. Yeah, but still, yeah. You, when you look at the Barnet fans, not many of their own fans turned up. No, we, we might have had more we than had they had. Third of the ground, yeah. Yeah. So this, is, this is a, a list of questions, but it's just coming to my head. Do you have a goal celebration? I've seen you do a few. I've seen the old eyes. <laughs> yeah. What's that about? Oh, I have to keep that to myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, oh, we'll have Ooh. to ask you when we get off air. Yeah. Yeah, spill it, spill and then we'll tweet it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <coughs> at Reedy QB9 asked do fans protest because there was a fan protest recently we did one in association with the Blackpool, Blackpool. fans do they actually affect the players on the pitch um, as it was suggested as an anti-protest point but not from the from the players so do, do, do these things affect the players or do you just well that's the fans doing um, it get, leave them to get on with it how does it work with you as a player I, I, I can't speak for everyone I can only speak for myself but um, I don't I don't find the protests um, you know, distracting. I think you know. I've played football long enough. I've been at. You know, I was at QPR when they had a lot of stuff going on there. So, you know, I don't find it distracting. But you know, the fans, it's their club. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, players come and go, and you know, the fans always left. So, whatever they feel, they need to do to get their point across. So be it. But some people might get distracted. I think the only time I got distracted was when they was waving the lights. Because I thought it was around Christmas time, so I thought it looked yeah, really yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know what it meant at the time, so I just thought okay. it was like a Christmas thing. But I mean, that, I, found, I found out after. That was crazy, that was, because it started with a few kids in the North Stand, and then yeah. two minutes later, you look around, and 
There's loads of yeah. people. I thought people were just talking yeah. to each other. That knew I, thought, yeah, I thought it was like trying to do Christmas lights. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know, yeah. It was quite ingenious, to be fair. Because it's the only way that you can... It's like a silent protest. Like, yeah. Quite a point across, I guess, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did, really. So, at RP Bernstein, um, I think you know um, quite well, says, will your son miss being in the same <laughs> school class as my daughter? <laughs> and then in, in brackets, he says, and me pestering your missus for the latest O's gossip at the school gates. Uh, yeah, my, my son loves... Yeah, he loves his school. And, uh, you know, it's only down the road, but he loves his school. And I know his, um, his daughter's in my son's class. Uh, Sophie, so I know they get along well, but my yeah, he, he'll miss his school. He's got a lot of friends there. He's he's quite popular. When I take him in, you know, all the, the kids are always calling his name. So um, he's he's well. He said to me he will miss his school, but he's excited to move on, move for a new challenge, and you know that helps. You know, to have them have yeah. them excited about it. But yeah, he he will definitely miss his school. But I'm sure when he's back, he'll go and visit. You know, he's got he's got a few friends. He's got a friend who just lives up the road from me. Okay. the school, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm sure he'll, he'll pop in to see them when he's back around. As a parent, it would be amazing if, like, my daughter when she starts school and she like you know if she if she was in the class with like Jay Simpson's son or like yeah. an old player, something you'd be like, what? <laughs> so, like Nicky Hunt lives around the corner. And, like, yeah, yeah, Nicky yeah, Hunt, yeah, like, yeah. He's training games. He's walking to Devon Station. Yeah. And I was like, Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, at Orient eighteen eight, uh, sorry, at eighteen eighty one, Orient tweeted us. And he said, who is the funniest or who was the funniest in the squad? Who's the real joker? Oh, you know, it's Bradley Pritchard. Without yeah. Doubt. Even yeah. now, he, he kills me all the time. Even now, but he's, I don't know, he's so straight-faced about it. But oh, I, I love his banter. Maybe it's not for everyone, but it can be like a, not rude and, you know, crude, but he's um, he's quite blunt. Yeah. I know he can hurt a few people's feelings, but <laughs> he's, he's a funny guy and, I, I love him. So. All right, that's it's that's brilliant. fine. That's fair enough. Markio's one one oh six says, "If Orient are interested in a fellow pro, would you advise them to a go for it or b don't answer that phone?" <laughs> oh, I'll have to skip that. I think you can. Uh, you can't answer yourself okay. yet. <laughs> um, do you think Orient Dave Tweed is saying has Leighton Orient's reputation suffered among fellow pros? And do you think, as per the statement last week, the change of emphasis from player recruitment to promoting youth is actually the board playing down expectations as we might struggle to attract players in the summer? Um, I think, yeah, well, I think it's been, the, um, the reputation has been damaged because, you know, in football, it's, it's a small world, you know, everyone knows yeah. someone that knows someone or, you know, if someone wants to go somewhere, they might phone up and ask a player that they know or yeah. ask another player who knows a player there what it's like everyone wants to know do what, research. what it's like yeah. yeah so um, has it been damaged yeah definitely but um, will it stop players from coming I, I, I don't know uh, I felt in the summer it might but um, they still managed to sign a few players but um, yeah players will definitely you know try and do a bit of homework on, on the club so I couldn't remember the end of that no that's it I think you pretty much covered it yeah so a nice DM from Kevin Cowlin who says guys I would just like to say that I've had a couple of interesting chats with Jay in the gallery in the past yeah. few months and he comes across as a very decent person who is very appreciative of the fan support please wish him all the best in the future career for me and thank him for all his efforts in an orange shirt I personally think he's a quality player who is too good for this league and always gave his best anybody who scored 25 league goals in the season Deserves special recognition, in my humble opinion. And Jay was the first O's player to do that here in over fifty years. I mean, yeah. I mean that's a statement there. No, I, I appreciate the the well wishes and the support. You know, um, you know, I always 
felt I had a good uh, good relationship with the fans. You know, as I said, the play the, the fans that I speak to around the ground and you know game days and even when I bump into them locally, you know, I always always stop and have a chat and you know I appreciate that you know the relationship I had with them and you know obviously I. I apologise for the way things ended, but you know I'm glad I was able to come on here and you know give them an insight into to what happened. You know, but yeah, I always appreciate their support, and um, you know I'd like to thank them. Brilliant. Lots and lots and lots of questions that that everybody sent in um, that we've already asked, so that um, so we, we've sort of pretty much covered a lot. Um, Luke BR nineteen ninety eight says with the thirty. Oh, I think you pretty much covered this as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Orient Electric says. Uh, firstly, thank you for last season. You have to say secondly. Do you think the team will get relegated this season? Um, I think it would be a massive shame if they did. But um, you know, uh, the year the year we went down, we all felt it was too good to go down, and you know we ran out of time. Yeah. You know, hopefully this year. You know they they can start to put things right beforehand. I don't know if they'll if they will go down. I don't know if they'll stay up. But um, you know I hope they don't go down. You know I would hate to see the club go down. And obviously I've been a part of it this year. And I would hate to walk away and have two relegations from there. But you know I think now they got um, the youngsters. Maybe the youngsters will will play without fear. And hopefully I know it's not a big ask to to rely on the youngsters. But you know hopefully something can be done. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. PDR1112 tweeted us. He said, Hi Jay, you're not on Twitter yourself. Do the players at Orient discuss comments made by fans on Twitter about issues at the club? Um, if I think if like Paul McCallum finds something funny that he finds funny on there, then he might, he might share it. But I don't really understand Twitter and stuff like that. So I don't really know. I don't know if they I don't know, send it to each other or... If, they retweet it or whatever. I don't know how it works, but okay. yeah, I don't. I don't really know to be honest. So moving on to the forum then, um, and obviously we've got loads of questions that have been duplicated. One from P E I F face P face says, "Do you think we can improve under Francesco, or are we doomed in the long run?" So do you think if Francesco just took a step back, maybe he can make a success of Rory? Well, it looks like he's he's given up. Really, it looks like now he's you know he's uh, getting rid of people and not bringing anybody in relying on the youth so you know it looks like he, he's he's had enough but you know I think the fans have been calling for his head so if he moves on then maybe the club will be able to to move forward in the right step or um, you know you never know what the future what the future holds if if you'll be able to sell it or you know if somebody will want to buy it but um, the way the regime is now something needs to change yeah, and he also asked lots of other questions that have already been duplicated, but ended his email by saying, also, please thank Jay for his efforts, especially as the club failed to do so properly. So, a nice thank you. Oh, cheers, yeah, and no, I appreciate it. Um, Grant Conway via email tweeted, uh, emailed us in, he said, Did the freezing out or sudden unavailability of certain members of the squad have a negative effect on the squad? And what did you and others make of it all? You know, with, with stuff like that, like, you know, Joby's my mate. You know, it's the way they treated him. You know, was was terrible. The same again with Alan Dunn. I've known Alan for since I was about seventeen, eighteen. So I've known him for about ten years. You know, mm. and he's always been great to me. You know, he's always been highly respectable. And you know, you see the way they treat him. You know, Darius Henderson. I played with him many years ago. 
even down to Lee Harrison, you know, the goalkeeper coach. Yeah. I had a great relationship with him. And then the way they treat people, you know, it does have an effect on you because you build up relationships with these people, you know, you get on well with them. And then, you know, they become your mate. And then you see someone disrespect your mate. And, you know, mm. it, does, it does annoy you, you know, and it, it does affect you. And if you think they treat them like that, then what's to say they wouldn't treat me the same? The same, yeah. yeah. It doesn't reflect exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Got an email uh, from Christine Dewis who says, Hi, Jay. This must be the most disastrous and sad time I've ever known at Orion. How could FB do this to us? He obviously wants to punish us. He goes on to say, I wish you well at your next yeah. club. You'll be missed like most of the players. Um, if not, if he decided to get rid. Um, and that's really it, really. It's just, again, duplicate questions I think we've already answered. So again, nice message there from Christine. No, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Dennis via email um, came in and he asked uh, about seeing Francesco Bacchetti at the training ground if you did see him how was he received by the players because apparently he was down sort of most Fridays did yeah he, he used to come in on the, on the Friday um, but when obviously when Hendon was there and he was doing well it was all good uh, when the results weren't going too well and it was all doom and gloom so um it's easy. It's easy to be in a, in high spirits when you're winning. Obviously, when you're losing, and then you know, it's it's not it's not a positive. I don't find it a positive thing for him coming in. I know the interference from upstairs. Uh, possibly he's coming in to make decisions on team selection or whatever. But you know, it it never seemed like a good sight. You'd see like the managers come out of there and not be in the best of moods, and you know they keep they keep the players away from it. So yeah. I I don't know what really goes on in there, but. To me, other clubs I've been at, you don't, you don't have the the owner coming around around the training ground or anything like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, a few more messages, but I think we've we've done all those questions. So we'll move on to the final two um, messages. So firstly, from Dean Cox, who <laughs> got contact just before we were about to start recording, keeps it short and sweet. Just says, "Tell Jay I miss him. I wish him <laughs> all the best in the future for him and his family." And put a little uh, blush in emoji. <laughs> Very nice there. Yeah, uh, Dino no, is a top guy. You know he's um, can be hot headed at times, but you know I've I've clashed with him a few times, and then you know you just move on. You know we're mates at the end of the day. Um, you know we've argued on the pitch before, and then we get home and we speak to each other on the phone. So you know since he's moved on, you know I still speak to him now, and you know it's great to see him back playing again. Um, you know he's picking up assists again. He's doing what what he loves doing, yeah. and you know it's a shame that he's not able to put across his story I wish I knew more to put it across for him but you know hopefully one day if the Orient fans do still care to hear hopefully one day you'll be able to put it across but again with him you know Orient legend that you know should have been treated better I feel absolutely I think he just got a forward statement um, which is nothing and you know that's not against him in the media department but that was a bit of a shocking yeah I've I've made the powers that be at Orient know that that wasn't acceptable and to give Cavasin the goodbye video and the yeah. whole big piece on the thing, I think, and then to give Dean Cox, who's been here seven years, two lines in, thanks very much, see you later, sort of thing. Yeah, well, again with that, it's like, you leave more questions again, you know, yeah. if they just put out a statement and, you know, he's been there seven years, he's done X, Y, Z, uh, loved by the fans, so on and so forth, then, you know, the fans would be sad to see him leave, but, you know, they'll accept it and move on. Yeah. I think the way they left it, you know, it, it irritated the fans even more. So it's you know, like mistakes made. Yeah, and like you said, it are, it raises more questions than it yeah. answers, and you're never going to get answers. So, you know, I'll put it in my diary when he's um, 
agreement is <laughs> yeah, done and find out and they don't have it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you said that about Dean Cox like clashing because Lisby said the same. So yeah. Dean Cox is very kind of pally with Lisby. <laughs> and when we done that, the first interview with Cox, he was like, oh, I hated Lisby when we first met. Yeah, yeah clashed. And it took a big fire yeah. for them. Yeah. And Kev's yeah. really placid. Yeah, Kev's so I can't like, imagine Kev's Kev a cool laid back. He's a cool cat. Kev's yeah. <laughs> But Dean, I don't know if he's got that little man syndrome. He's fiery, but he's a funny character. But yeah, no, we miss him down there. If um, you know the, the position that the club is in, you know that's someone that you really do miss in these kind of situations. You know, even as another voice, because yeah. you know when like the situation with the double training sessions were going on, you know he wouldn't have none of it. You know, he was injured at the time of the hotel, but, you know, he wouldn't have any of it. And that's, you know, sometimes you need that in your squad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, to end uh, on this, uh, this is a message from Howard Gould. He said, did a school visit with Jay and Joby, and one of the kids asked who Joby played for, and he said, Jamaica. Jay added, I hope to be as good as him one day. The kids didn't <laughs> quite get it, but but he found it very, very amusing. Uh, it goes on to say, Jay always had time to chat and would make an effort to say hello. I really appreciated that as most of the players just don't. Wish him all the best and thanks for all his help off the pitch. Yeah, with, with H, he's an absolute legend, gentleman. You know, when you do, when you have to do uh, player appearances, when you've got someone like Howard to deal with, you know, you don't mind doing them. You know, obviously it's always good to give back, but sometimes, you know, it might take up a bit more time in your day or you know you've got the children to deal with uh, at home but you know with H you know I'd always go out my way for him you know it's always a pleasure to see people like that down at the training ground you know because those are the people of the club you know the heart of the club he loves this club you know when we're losing you know he's he's heartbroken you know he goes through all the emotions with you and you know it's it's refreshing when he comes out to speak to someone like that you know because with all the stuff that goes on upstairs and he's close to the club so he sees it all but for someone like him to still have a positive view on things you know it's it's uh, very refreshing you know I just wish him wish him all the best as well and you know I'll always keep in contact with him so Jay one last question from us then number um, 27 your number yep I've noticed that you've got the same number in Philadelphia yeah, that's is there a story the, behind that yeah that's my number uh well, Kev Lisby wanted me to take the number nine shirt. So I don't know if you've seen on uh, his Instagram, but you know, I tried to retire that for him. But um, I took number 27 is my number because my uh, it's basically for my kids. So um, my first born is born on the 7th. My daughter is born on the 27th. And my youngest is born on the 2nd. So it's all ah. two seven. So that's why that's my number. And uh, hopefully I can keep that for the rest of my career. I'll try to anyway. Yeah. Nice story, yeah. yeah. That's really nice. cool. That's, that is cool. That yeah. is cool. Okay, so to end the interview, thank you for joining us, Jay. It's been over two hours. It's been fantastic. So have you got a farewell message uh, for the Orient fans listening? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, Stephen Paul, I've really enjoyed this interview. I think you know you guys are doing a great job. I listened to your last two podcasts and while I'll be over in the States, I'll be tuning in to to keep up to date. You know, And um, to the fans that, you know, supported me over the years you know I really do appreciate it honestly I know it's cliche for the players always say you know they, they appreciate the fan support but you know I've always tried to go out my way and you know been uh, been available to speak to and you know I tried to answer your questions as best as I could uh, while I was employed by the club 
Um, I'm glad I've had the opportunity to come in and, and answer your questions that I weren't able to answer before. But, you know, I wish you all the best. Um, hopefully you can get out of the position that you're in. Um, I would hate to see a lovely club like Orient go down. You know, it's a great family club with a lot of great people uh, involved in the club. And, you know, I'd hate to see the season end that way. So I wish you all the best. And, um when I'm back over here and hopefully I'll be able to see a few of you I'll try and pop down to a game and um, can have a catch up there but thank you for the support over the years and I really appreciate it amazing okay. thank you very much indeed that yeah. concludes Jay Simpson thank yeah. you very much indeed cheers guys Jay thank you you've done for the club, club. Yeah. Two and a half years. you've been a gentleman on this podcast you know last season you broke a goal scoring record at Orient first player to go over yeah. to a league goal since Peter Kitchen in my think, lifetime yeah <laughs> I don't think he's going to get beaten any time soon cheers gents I really, yeah. really appreciate it thanks for, thanks for having me on cool and, uh, it was a long one but I appreciate the time <laughs> ah, it's a pleasure <laughs> so we're going to play out with one of your favourite songs now so all the best in America we hope you're on fire there and uh, yeah thanks for everything you've done cheers guys